CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Check this out. Illinois has recreational cannabis, right? What if you want to feel real good without getting high? And how about ordering it online and getting it right to your door? Well, there's this company, Mineral. They do whole plant hemp oil formulations. It's like CBD, but it's more than CBD. Mineral grows the hemp in Colorado. They formulate the product in Colorado, and they create these organic all-plant formulations for anxiety, stress, inflammation, post-at-home workout, and get this, the sleep one. It's fantastic. So what makes them unique is they actually blend these plant components together. Things that the body has, like fats and vitamins, that actually increase the absorption and effectiveness. So you actually get to feel the benefit of these formulations, truly. The guy who founded the company, Mills is his name. He's coming on the show next week, and you're going to hear his story. He was in Peru. They tried to take out his colon, but he used cannabis oil to recover instead. I know, it sounds trippy, but wait till you hear his story. It's mineral. It's a beautiful company, beautiful formulations. I love the balance. I love the sleep. It's mineralhealth.co. That's M-I-N-E-R-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H dot C-O. And if you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, you want to try their formulations, then use code CHICAGO15. That's Chicago spelled out in the number 15. That's C-H-I-C-A-G-O-1-5. You do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's 15%. That's only available for listeners of the podcast. So use that code. Thank you, Mineral, and thank yourselves too, because you're going to love this stuff. Cannabis without the high. That's correct. How's it going, everybody? Pat Rod, what up, dude? Are you doing okay? I've been thinking about you, pal. Hope you're doing well. Did you hear that wicked bong rip I gave you yesterday? <laughs> that was just for you, dude. That was the longest bong rip I've ever done. That was all for you, Pat Rod. Well, at least on the air. <laughs> yeah, at least on the air. Oh, yeah. God, folks. You should oh. see them back in the day in Alton. Oh, boy. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Denny Bong Rips, they called me. <laughs> oh, is that Denny Bong Rips? <laughs> Hey, and that was before it was legal. Ill, uh, legal. It was illegal. Oh yeah, and Denny oh. was ripping. Oh, two two thousand seven. Oh, Denny bong rips. <laughs> that I looked like Frazier. My hair was falling out. Still had hair on the sides. Just give me that bong. Well, I guess I just don't want a future <laughs> other than this show. No, but, uh, I got uh, we pretty much with that NPR WBEZ riff last week, and uh, what else do we make fun of? You're you're through, man. <laughs> Guys, it's all me. It's not. He has nothing to do with it. All right. He really does like all of you. I go to like a job interview for like WGN. All right. So, oh, yeah. Final yeah. question: <laughs> Denny bong rips? Really? Really? Uh. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like none of them have ever smoked reefer. <laughs> oh, not us. You do. None of them talk about it to the public. I All know. right. All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for <laughs> Thursday, April 23rd. Okay. Hold on. We got, before we do this, Pat Rod gave us an update. He says, uh, feeling good so far. All Staying right. positive. That's how you have to do it. We're, we're with you, man. Wow. Well, keep listening to this show. We'll keep you staying <laughs> positive. <laughs> 
Uh-oh, that cough is not. It's not. It was just a cough, okay? Jesus, Benny. They're coming to take me away. Huh? Hee, oh. <laughs> is that a song reference? Yeah, that's way before your time. You did I a don't... cough. Look, check this out. I, I bought this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Spray. <laughs> Spray it. There's Lysol. I got Lysol. <clears throat> My mom sent me a care package. Lysol it, was in it. It was perhaps one of the most politically incorrect songs of its day from the 60s where this guy loses his mind because the girl drops him. And he's like, they're coming to take me away. Ah, oh, the funny farm with layers. Beautiful all the time. Hey, uh, uh, if oh my you're, god, uh, that really is Lysol. Yeah, I know it reeks. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right, make it off the box. Sprayed Lysol in the <laughs> attic. Now it stinks like Lysol. Uh, hey, let's just keep going with the live stream chat. People are uh, riffing here. Uh, KMA Barry, what's up? KMA Barry says, uh, Denny was so fast on those bong riffs, they started to call him Green Lightning. <laughs> They call him Green Lightning, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, it's great to hear, Pat Rod. Glad you're doing all right. Let's do this. Uh, all right. Denny Bong Rips. I like that. <laughs> Me and Tommy Two Joints. We could be, have a morning show. Where's young Tom these days, man? Uh, probably been... at home. Nah, he's out where He's the hardest working reporter in the city of Chicago. Tommy Two Joints, Shuba, man. Roll me a doobie and go on the beat. <laughs> Oh, I miss those days. I used to see Tommy. He'd be out in front of the building smoking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, like... trying to avoid you. <laughs> yeah, right. oh, Acting no, like he, he doesn't see. Oh, I hope he doesn't recognize oh, me. Christ. And then all he... of a sudden he hears, oh, man, Tommy Two Joints. <laughs> hey, man, come on the show. All right, if I can. Uh, and then he would always have, like, he'd be working on, like, 50 stories at once. I missed my beloved bright one, D. Well, then there was a time I remember uh, we were walking out of the, the Sun-Times and we saw a dude. Uh, it was Tommy Two Joints and he had a Carhartt coat on and you didn't recognize him at all. You just thought he was some dude like fixing the toilets or something. You're just like, oh, man. I'm like, no, dude, that's Tommy Shuba. You're like, really? Like, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I do remember that. Ah, oh, the good days. City people wear Carhartts too. All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, April 23rd is just moments away. But before we do this let's thank these unions for sponsoring this program unions like the international association of machinists and aerospace workers local 126 and district 8 the international brotherhood of electrical workers local niner sponsors as well as the international union of operating engineers local 150 unions thanks Keep sponsoring us and of course today's ben Drosky show is brought to you by our good friends at the chicago federation of labor Benny J, it's Thursday. Let's hear a Thursday song of the day. You know, I don't know why I'm thinking of this song, but for some reason I'm thinking of the Almond. Are you an Almond Brother fan, D? No. Well, I like almonds, not the Almond Brothers. Oh, my God. I love the Almond. I'm just going to do the bass line. I was going to well, say, an instrumental song of the day. It opens up with that wicked bass line. And I've been down. Uh, <laughs> I forget what the lines are. Tied to the whipping post. You don't know that song? No. Uh, getting old, Ooh, man. man. Nobody knows that song. This is up there for worst song of the day yet. <laughs> I don't know, man. You didn't know the words. You just did the bass line. Come on. That's, everybody knows that. Come on. Everybody together now. Come on, man. Barry Oakley on bass. All my brothers. Union, seriously, thank you for sponsoring this <laughs> I bet show. You there's some union guys who know the Almond Brothers. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Thursday, April 23rd, and live from Ben's house, <laughs> this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. 
Today on the program, it's the return of Chicago newsroom legend, our dear friend, young Kenneth Davis. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, old Benjamin Jarofsky. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this <laughs> Mayor Madness Thursday. And here's why. For a moment, I forgot what day it was. I was like, uh-oh, what day is it? Yeah, you're not alone. Yeah, you know, like, is it Wednesday? Is it Tuesday? Friday? I don't know. So much going on. That's why I'm forgetful, people. I mean, it's overwhelming. I mean, so much is happening. That we had actually have a uh, pre-show meeting. Yeah. Uh, barely. <laughs> barely, barely, Dr. barely. Dr. Doobie and I said, you know what? Let's have a pre-show meeting. I was like, oh, all right. It's just like, you know, like we're a comedy show on Comedy Central. You know, we're the Trevor Noah show. So we gathered together. We had coffee and donuts. Mm. Hey, where are the donuts? I like the, the cream donuts. There were no donuts, actually. But there was coffee. Did you get a nice cup of yes, coffee? Yes, I did. Chugged it. Uh, so yeah, we had a pre-show meeting and Dennis was like, you know, he, he he's up on stuff, folks, because he's the millennial of the two. So he gets all the Twitter feeds. I'm still reading newspapers, getting my stuff from newspapers. But, uh, you know, you hear about the Mayor Goodman of Las Vegas. What a nutcase she is. We'll get to that. Uh, did you see the YouTube video of uh, Little Lightfoot? I hadn't seen it. I watched it. Uh, damn, that's pretty funny stuff. And uh, did you hear about the wingnut Brian Kemp governor in Georgia? Actually, I was the one who said that. Uh, and what about Lori Lightfoot and uh, my alderman in the Chicago City Council? So much to talk about. I said, you know what? Let me handle Kemp and Lori Lightfoot and the alderman, and you can take care of the other stuff. Okay, that's how you do a pre-show meeting. Yeah, but you don't talk about it. You just do. Oh, really? You're not <laughs> yeah. supposed to. Uh, oops. Uh. You have the pre-show meeting. <laughs> then you act like you didn't just have a meeting, and it sounds flawless. Oh, but, see. yeah, you just... I was just so happy we had a meeting. Okay, appreciate. Usually, I just walk up here and we start winging it. All right. Uh, no, that's not true. There's hours of planning that goes into Ben Jarofsky. Hours, okay, D. Hours of planning. Mostly me begging people to come on the show. Hey, when are you coming on the show? Kenny Davis is coming on the show. By the way, did you talk to him yet? He has this like all these different phone numbers. Did you Did you actually talk to Young Kenneth? Oh my God! No, yeah, I talked to oh, him. Oh, cool. All right, I was a little worried about that. All right, let me get down to business here. Brian. He said his favorite part of uh, the Ben Jarofsky show. Quarantined Attic Edition is uh, the thought of me, producer Dennis, in the porta potty smoking a bong. He says that's great. <laughs> Hold on, it's just laughing. It's not the real thing. I don't oh. want to get the Lysol. Okay, here we go. Hold on. Mm. Is that good? Anyway, Brian Kemp, uh, governor of Georgia. I know everybody knows about this one, but this is just. Let's... There's a theme here. There's a parable here. There's a lesson here that I think all Republicans uh, should take uh, to heart about Brian Kemp. And it's an old lesson about dealing with Donald John Trump, but apparently Republicans have forgotten it. And, and by just... the way, no relation to power forward from the Seattle supersonic Sean Kemp. No relation at all. Thank you for uh, saying that since absolutely none of our listeners know who Sean Kemp is. He was awesome. Uh, there was another Kemp who was a baseball player. I think it was Matt Kemp. Anyway, uh, so uh, Brian Kemp, uh, the governor of Georgia, was elected in 2018. He defeated uh, Stacey Abrams. I wish I had lived in Georgia so I could have voted for Stacey Abrams. And I think Georgians now are waking up to the realization that, boy, that they picked the wrong candidate to be their governor. Uh, anyway, Brian Kemp decided, uh, was it earlier this week, that he was going to reopen the state coming Friday, I think tomorrow. They're going to reopen, like, allow people, uh, hair salons to reopen, nail 
uh, uh, parlors to reopen, bowling alleys, which is really bizarre. I love bowling as much as the next person. I bowl on a regular basis. But if there's anything that's going to spread uh, the coronavirus, it would be a bowling alley. You're sharing balls. You're sharing shoes. Uh, you're like guys are getting drunk usually, and you know what that? They're sputtering and spewing, and it's just like that would not be the thing yeah, I would open. It's the last place I'm going when uh, when we open back up. But apparently, Brian Kemp thinks that uh, somehow or other, not only is that an essential business uh, for people in the state of Georgia, but that uh, it's in- safe. So it would be on the first list of businesses that he would allow to reopen. Someone look at the bowling records of this Kemp feller. He wants to get out on those lanes again. He may be a Monday league bowler like me. I tell you uh, what, before this pandemic, I had a 296. <laughs> I got to get a 300, damn it. Open uh, up those alleys. So, yeah. So he's decided he's going to open up the bowling alleys, among other things. And uh, I think what happened is this. I think uh, that Brian Kemp, who is clearly... Uh, well, he's, you know, he's typical Republican in the day of Trump. He uh, does not believe in science, does uh, not really listen to doctors, uh, is more likely to listen to Donald Trump and Sean Hannity. Uh, I think he never believed that this was a serious threat to begin with. I thought he, I think he probably thought that this was all an attempt by the Democrats to undermine Donald Trump, which is sort of the narrative that the Republicans are putting out. Uh, and uh, he also got all excited by Operation Gridlock. And of course, Operation Gridlock, we talked a lot about this, was the protest that took place in Michigan last week where about a thousand people got in their cars and drove to Lansing and clogged up the streets, hence the gridlock, uh, to protest the stay-at-home order of uh, the Democratic uh, governor of Michigan. So fired up and feeling compelled to do something, he decided he would open up the state. And he was further fired up and compelled to do that by Donald Trump tweeting out liberate. Remember that when Donald Trump tweeted out liberate and he was talking to the uh, people in uh, Democratic in states like Michigan, Minnesota and Virginia, where they had Democratic governors. So Kemp's like, well, if the boss is doing it, meaning Donald Trump, I will do it. I'll follow his advice. So what happens yesterday? Um, Donald Trump is at his uh, briefing, uh, and what does he say? He goes, "No, I, I disagree with Brian Kemp." Poor Kemp's like, "What? Too soon? Too soon? <laughs> Frankly, too soon." <laughs> it's classic Donald Trump. Donald Trump likes to play it two ways. So on one hand, you know, when he when he has his briefings every now and then, and, and he wants to look like like he's professorial. Well, you know, I've I've studied uh, the science. I have doctors that are advising me, and we're going to be really scientific here in the White House. And then, you know, that's for like the swing voters in Wisconsin that he wants to win over. Like he must think they're really stupid. Uh, and then every just to make sure that the rest of the bunch gets fired up, he'll tweet out liberate. And apparently Brian Kemp didn't get the part where, you know, you're not supposed to actually liberate. You're just supposed to use it as a rallying cry to fire up people in uh, states uh, where you have Democratic governors. So you can put the pressure on them and uh, maybe, I don't know, get turnout higher for November's election. He, he took it literal and he's, he's opening up the state. And now Brian, uh, Trump's sort of throwing him under the bus. And I remember something. Here's the lesson. Michael Cohen Warned you. He did. Remember Michael Cohen, D? Michael Cohen uh, warned everybody he was President Trump's lawyer back in the day. He was uh, he was uh, the guy who had paid off the, the porn stars who were having affairs with Trump. And uh, <clears throat> he testified. He uh, Essentially, he testified against Trump, hoping that it would get a, a lesser sentence when the feds came after him. And he warned people. He says, if you get in bed with Trump, 
you're gonna get beep. I'm not gonna swear, D. Thank right? you. Okay. Thank you. But you know what he was saying. That's what's gonna happen to you. Yes, bed bugs. Uh, you, you, uh, yeah, bed bugs. You're gonna get bed bugs. Go to bed with Trump. You're gonna get bed bugs. That's exactly right. You're gonna you're gonna get the bed bugs. Uh, so Brian Kemp has a wicked case of bed bugs right now, and uh, so that should be a warning to any Republican out there. If you get too close to this man, he's going to bring you down. I've seen it happen time and time again. It's all about Donald Trump. Everybody is being used by him to advance whatever, I don't know, whatever business initiative he has, his political career, his TV career, et cetera, and so forth. So it's uh, Kemp. I don't feel sorry for Kemp, by the way, not at all. I I feel a little sorry for people in Georgia, but then again, they elected him. They had a perfectly good candidate in Stacey Abrams, and they elected Kemp. So deal with that, Georgia. Anyway, here in the city of Chicago, more madness, sort of, but kind of a more amusing madness uh, in the city of Chicago and Lori Lightfoot. And the city council and the aldermen are having a power struggle. And D, uh, I say this all the time. Uh, this is these are such dire, gloomy, grim uh, era period in Chicago. Well, a period in our country's history. Here I am doing this podcast from my attic, overlooking the alley in the Brown Line. Everybody's in quarantine. Everybody's in lockdown. I'm watching Joe Biden do the interview yesterday with James Corden, and Biden's in his. Uh, basement and cordons in his garage so it's a grim scary time this the papers every day are filled with more stories about how uh, the pandemic is as dangerous as it's ever been the virus is out there people there we're not re- reducing it nearly enough to make things safe to go back uh, to work so we don't know when we're uh, going to be out of this uh, landlords are struggling with the renters over wh- who's going to pay how much in rent. There's negotiations going on. People, are, the small businesses are trying to get a piece of the pie, and the the corrupt Trump administration is giving money uh, to the big businesses. So you know it's a very grim time. But every now and then, the city council and my mayor remind me of happier times, and that's when they go at it a little bit, a little tussle in the city council. And we uh, we was on full. Uh, display yesterday. We're probably going to take a deep dive with this with uh, Dave Goetz later in the week. But I just, I don't know, D. It just, it, it kind of, like I said, it just, ah, yes, the old days when the stakes weren't so high. Although they're kind of high. We have a democracy. We, when I can ride the train. We, we care about this stuff. Yeah. So the, the, the central issue is this. Uh, Lori Lightfoot is saying uh, that she should have extraordinary powers to award contracts without city council approval, uh, to uh, make expenditures without city council approval because of the pandemic. It's a serious crisis. And that uh, serious crisis uh, means that she should have powers that <clears throat> she wouldn't ordinarily seek or need or want. And uh, so there was a negotiation for her first proposal. Uh, she made modifications. The budget committee passed that. What was that? I'm losing track of time. I think it was Tuesday. And so yesterday they had the full city council meeting, a virtual meeting. First time I've ever done that, I think, where every, of course, nobody's assembling. We're, we're not like Georgia, okay? We're not like Las Vegas. You know, we're respecting uh, stay at home. So every all the aldermen are, Lord knows where they are, but they're not in the city council chamber. And uh, so Lori moves to uh, have the council pass this uh, ordinance that would give her extraordinary powers. And two aldermen got together, uh, Raymond Lopez uh, and uh, our good friend Carlos Ramirez Rosa. 
Carlos. Uh, and uh, Ray Lopez, Lopez is a good friend of the Ray show, Lowe. too. He's been on the show a couple times. I shouldn't, uh, you know, even he's a little more conservative than I am, but I, I respect him. Uh, anyway, so they got together and they uh, took advantage of a rule that enables two aldermen uh, to defer and publish that is put off uh, a matter until the next meeting. And so they used that rule to defer and publish and move it to the next meeting. Uh, and uh, the idea being that they could then try to uh, work with their uh, aldermanic colleagues, try to get more of their aldermen to join them in opposition uh, to uh, this ordinance. Uh, Ray Lowe and Carlos say this is an extraordinary abuse of power. It's not necessary. The mayor already has enough power. She doesn't need this extra power. Uh, and But obviously, they don't have the votes to defeat it. You need 26 votes to defeat it. And I bet you anything, without any lobbying, Lori Lightfoot would have 26 votes to pass it. So they're going to lose. Lori Lightfoot just, she reacted d it was classic it brought back memories of mayor daly and i, I sent uh dennis some mayor daly bits maybe we'll get into them later just brought back these great memories of mayor daly oh mayor daly from like in the uh i'm sure she'd love to hear that what that she sounds like mayor daly <laughs> yeah i'm gonna write a whole column about this she does remind me of mayor daly she does remind me of, of mayor rom See, I think Lori Lightfoot is an improvement over Mayor. People go, oh, Ben, you're so hard on Lori Lightfoot. No, I think she's a big improvement on Mayor Rahm. She does remind me of Mayor Daly. And, uh, and, and she's beloved by Chicagoans in the same way Daly was. See, Rahm was never really loved by Chicagoans. Uh, people, like he was this alien that dropped on us from Washington, D.C. wasn't really... From Chicago, he—you could tell that he just—he didn't want to stick around here too long. He was just using us for to advance his career. And by the way, it's worked out well for him. D. The guy's doing well. He's like, what's for a hedge fund? So he's making money that. He's a talking head on the George Stephanopoulos show. So that's working every now and then. Writes a column for the Washington Post. I mean, it's—he's doing well for himself. Oh, you love his columns. <laughs> you're like, man. His columns. As man. a columnist, you're like, wow. Game uh, recognizes game. <laughs> No, no, recognizes no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not uh, convinced that he actually writes the columns, but oh, oh, what was that? Uh, <laughs> I think you were trying to push another button. Anyway, I went on a tangent there, she, but Lori Lightfoot really does uh, remind me of Mayor Daly in many ways. And so, uh, Raylo, Carlos, you're going to lose this. Uh, Lori will mock you. She already mocked you. She ripped you. Uh, I don't know if we have any clips in that. We're going to play them with Dave Glowatz, but... Uh, the, the, the quotes where she was, again, saying, we're in the middle of a pandemic. These people are selfish. They're greedy. They only care about themselves. And then Carlos responds by saying, it's a power grab. I don't know why uh, she needs this power. And you know what, D? I have to say, just if you... Say it. I'm just going to say it. Say it. Just, Do it. If you, if you just isolate it to the core issue, does Lori Lightfoot need this extraordinary power because of the pandemic? No. I do not believe she needs it. Furthermore, I would never give the mayor more power than she already has. Any mayor, because they already have complete control over the city. They control all the boards and entities that uh, approve contracts. They control the schools. They control public housing. They control the park district. So it's like, why do you, they need more power? If anything, they need less power. But, you know, it's like, she says, this is a serious time. I need, I need, I do not want to have to go to the city council. And 
the Carlos responds, well, you know, it's there's 48 hours. It would only take 48 hours to convene a meeting. Um, what would you need extraordinary powers to do? And I'm trying to think, like, what would, what expenditure would the mayor need? Uh, that like a dire emergency expenditure that she could not get almost immediate approval from from the city council. I can't think of any. In fact, I can't ever think of a Chicago city council pushing back on a mayor uh, since Harold Washington days back in like 83, 84, 85, uh, and when it was Eddie Burke and Eddie Verdoliak teaming up to block Harold Washington. I cannot think of any mayor who ever lost. There's only been one instance I recall since the 1980s when the uh, the mayor had to um, use uh, his or her veto authority, and that was on a big box of uh, ordinance. So mayors are all powerful. City council does whatever they tell them to do. So why are they worried about a 48-hour period? Uh, but I don't know. It's you know it's an emergency. She says it's a crisis. She says. And I'm telling you, Raylo, I'm telling you, Carlos, you're going to lose this one. I know Chicagoans. I've lived here since 1981. And Chicago loves powerful mayors. Chicago has got this thing where they don't feel as though they're adequately protected unless they have a mayor bossing them around. Uh, that was especially the case with uh, Richard M. Daley. It's like they thought that, yes, we were safe and secure because we had a boss who could just like order things. And even though people were upset when Mayor Daley ordered overnight, this is way before your time, the, the destruction of Meg's Field. It's like all of a sudden, overnight, he just ordered a, an airport on Lake, just tore it up and... Uh, didn't get approval from anybody. Didn't get city council approval. Didn't get federal approval. Just tore it up. He said uh, it was a uh, danger, that uh, a security danger, so he had to get rid of it. Uh, he had been against it the whole time. Even when he did that, the people of Chicago didn't revolt. They were like grumble. They were upset. But, you know, they reelected him uh, in three more years. Chicago would love all powerful mayors. So my guess is that uh, it's like when Lori got the haircut, and people dared to criticize her. The people who did the criticizing got criticized and turned on, uh, the, the, the citizens turned against them. And my guess is the same thing will happen uh, with uh, these extraordinary budget powers that uh, Raylo and Carlos are uh, trying to oppose. I think the overwhelming majority of Chicagoans uh, will go along with him. Uh, we'll go along with the mayor. You're not allowed to criticize the mayor. Uh, you're not allowed uh, to make fun of the mayor. Well, maybe a little bit. You just have to kind of fall in line uh, with the mayor. Look, I, I, I love Lori as much as the next person I voted for. Anyway, well, maybe I don't love her as much as most people uh, uh, do in the city of Chicago. But uh, it's real funny. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I voted her for mayor. I, it's true. I did vote for her to be our mayor but I did not vote for her to be our emperor. We got a great show today, everybody. Who, who, Kenny who, Davis will who, be here, young who, Kenneth Davis. Kenny D. Uh, he's fired up. This morning, he sent me the funniest thing. I got to read this to you. Um, he sent me an, uh, oh my God. He said, hold on. Here we go. Where is it? I got a lot of text today. Uh, here we go. Ken, young Ken Davis sent me this text at 10 in the morning, all right? And he goes, holy cow. <laughs> He wrote, hey, Ben, sorry to wake you. <laughs> uh, well, now, you can't read a Kenny D text and not do the impression of Kenny D. I, 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 there it is. 
Anyway, he had a whole list of things he wants to talk about, uh, environmental issues, political issues. He's got to weigh in on Lori and the alderman as well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to Kenny D. I haven't heard, uh, talked to him in a while. So young Kenneth will be coming on soon. But before we do that, plenty of political talk. The young man from Alton, the man they call Dr. Doobie, with the news. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Let's talk about what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. I mean, for most of us, nothing at all is happening. Man, just sitting around, eating, doing dishes, then eating again. Then surprisingly, doing dishes again. Then you go to sleep, you wake up, then hey, guess what? You eat again. Then it really comes to no surprise at all anymore. After that, you do dishes again. For the love of God, will this damn coronavirus go away? <laughs> I do a lot of dishes. You oh, doing a lot of dishes, Dave? Doing a ton of dishes. I just do the, the same two or three plates that I have. I just keep washing them over know, and over washing. again. And your hands. You're really good at washing your hands, by the way. I got to tell you that. Well, you better believe it, buddy. It's a pandemic going on. Scrubbing away. Well, there's ever a time to be good at washing your hands. Tell that to Governor Kemp. Was he not a good hand washer? No, he's reopening the state. Bowling alleys. <laughs> now I almost, I got a turkey before the <laughs> pandemic, and I almost got a 300. Now open this damn thing up so I can get a three. He wants that big, you get a ring when you uh, bowl a 300, right? Yes, you get a ring and you, uh, well. Where's your ring? <laughs> the, I've never even come close to a 300. Mm. Once I got like five strikes in a row, I was so happy. Livestream chat, Have is anyone listening? Bowl the 300, or if you've listened on the download, have you bowled the 300 game? By the way, for none of our non-bowling fans, that's a perfect game. That's a strike every single time, 300. Remember when Homer got it, uh, 300 in The Simpsons? Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> Great episode. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. I, that came out after 1979. <laughs> no. Was it it in the 90s? I don't know. Yeah, I it was just the 90s. If you've bowled the 300, we would love for you to reach out to us and rub it in Ben Jarofsky's <laughs> face. Benny J Show at yeah. gmail.com. That's our phone number. Or I'm sorry, that's our email. Benny J Show at gmail.com. I'm going to give our phone number too. I got to get good about giving our phone number out. Yes, people, we have a, a, a Ben Jarofsky Show phone number. It's true. Tell your friends. 708 658 478 eight eight leave us a voicemail let us know you bowled a 300 even if you didn't you can lie and just tell and just make fun of ben for not bowling a 300 that'd be fantastic bowling a 300 is really hard anybody ever bowl out there i mean just the pressure as it builds as you get closer and closer and you think you have to get 12 strikes in a row and uh so after you've got six in a row the, the words start spurting around the bowling alley hey so and so in lane seven is uh, heading on his way and then you get the seventh and the eighth and then everyone and then no one will talk to you about it see that's even more pressure you know not supposed to talk to somebody about about uh getting uh you know getting too close to that 300 and then i don't know if you know this Steve, but when you're keeping score you don't fill in the score uh, while a person's on a roll of strikes so you just let them keep getting strikes so it's just like by oh, yeah. not reminding you ben still writes the score in by the way well yeah that's I mean, uh, most bowling alleys, they have a computer that does it. Yeah, but not where I go. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln bowled there, know? apparently. <laughs> People forget how to, they don't even know how to score. That's something, you know, I know it's like the typical old guy. Back in my day. <laughs> you know what's funny, Dee? There was a story in the newspaper yesterday that I read in the newspaper. It had already been out for uh, 24 hours, obviously, because that's how things go. You know, it's online. Yeah, yeah. But, I've worked with you for about three years. So I yeah, took a picture of it. it. I sent it to people. They didn't even know about it. Oh, there you wow. go. I was spreading news. I felt, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm first. 
Anyway, uh, bowling, getting a 300 is very difficult, folk, because of the pressure. You got to deal with that pressure. It's not just like, oh, 12 strikes in a row, like you're in practice. Everybody's watching and talking about you behind your back. Hey, so-and-so, do you know what he's doing? And then no one will say anything to you. They'll smile at you. Hi. If you learn anything from this show today, it's this. Bowlers are shady, all right? Don't you know, go behind well, your it's like back. A, uh, in baseball, when a pitcher is pitching a no-hitter or a perfect game, no one will talk to the pitcher about it. Let's supposed to talk about it. Shout out to KMA Barry on the live stream chat. He says, I bowl the 300, but it took me two games to do it. <laughs> okay, that's a good one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I get it now. He did you got 150, 150. One yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. I see. All right. Oh, and Fred. Okay, dude. He says, I bowled a 350 once. That's not even... <laughs> Not even possible. <laughs> no, 350. You, know, you need two games to get to 350. All right, Illinois Governor Jamie Pritzker. And for the record, I love puppies. This should come as no surprise to anyone by now, all right? Yes, he's giving his daily COVID-19 press briefing at 2.30 at the Thompson Center. Go watch it. More state news to talk about, though. It's the question that, well, really no one seems to have an answer to. So, when exactly do we go back to normal? The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Neil Earley. I've never heard of Neil Earley. Maybe, uh, is this a new hire, Ben? Have you seen Neil Earley in the uh, Sun-Times before? No. Yeah. I don't, where's my bright one? Who are you, Neil? Oh, I'm going to have to go get my bright one. I left it downstairs. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm lost without it. Well, that pre-show prep went out the window. You know what? I'll just get yesterday's. With the one oh, with yeah, Willie, there, there Willie Wilson on the cover. Willie, remember that story, D? Yeah, it was yesterday. Of course I remember. All right, actually, it's Tuesday's paper. The All following right. comes to the Chicago Sun-Times and Neil Earley. With businesses closed, people out of work, and many residents postponing needed medical procedures, Illinois Republicans on oh. Wednesday called for Governor J.B. Pritzker to ease his stay-at-home order, which is set at the moment to expire April 30th. Uh, let's see here. We got a quote from state rep Ryan Spain, a Republican out of Peoria, Illinois. He says, quote, the safe opening or reopening of our state economy is the is the important work that now faces us. And we believe that there should be allowances made for businesses to reopen as long as they can do so safely. The governor is expected to extend his order again this week, but this time state house Republicans want changes calling for state parks to reopen, hospitals to start performing elective procedures, and some businesses to reopen. At his regular daily briefing Wednesday in Chicago, Pritzker said the stay-at-home order could be amended based on new information that has come in. He cited experts' belief uh, that wearing masks and having fewer people in a confined space does help slow the spread. J.B. Pritzker said, quote, we're looking at that. Yeah, I appreciate the fact that Republicans are willing to play the role of the opposition party. I just got finished talking about how I do not like to see too much power in the hands of anybody. So in the abstract, I appreciate the fact that Republicans, who are the minority party in Illinois, are playing the role of the opposition party. That said, it's like, duh. I mean, you know, this notion that somehow or other, if they don't speak out, Governor Pritzker is going to keep the state closed forever is a ludicrous assumption. This is like the underlying assumption uh, throughout the, for the whole liberation movement, the Operation Gridlock movement. It's as though the under, it's as though Republicans are accusing Democrats of intentionally closing down 
the economy, as though there was no compelling reason to close down the economy, as though, you know, we just all were retreating to our attics and basements and garages for no reason at all. Because I don't know, I want to bring on a depression to defeat Donald Trump. I mean, that's that's kind of like the mentality that the Republican Party has. And uh, so, yeah, of course, J.B. Pritzker will want to open up the state one day. He'll be reaping the publicity when he does that, D. You, you could just imagine. I hope the day comes, but you can imagine what will happen. There will be, it'll be a PR event, you know, he'll clip a ribbon, you know what I'm saying? Ah. The door, he'll be there when the door opens, you know, they'll, they'll have uh, live camera action, it'll be on the news, it's everybody, you know what I mean? So he'll be basking in the glory, I saw us through. So no matter, he wants to open up businesses just like everybody else because he's going to want the credit for being the governor that saw us through this uh, this horrific crisis. So this notion that like the governor want, is doing this because he has no reason is ludicrous. And yet Republicans are forced into this position because their party is locked into this anti-science, anti-doctor mode where they're following their orders from Donald Trump and our Brian Kemp and Ron DeSantis and Reverend Falwell. And so, frankly, I feel that Illinois Republicans who used to have, and I say used to, have a reputation for being, I don't know, more moderate, more bipartisan, are now falling off the same cliff uh, as the, uh, the Kemp's of the world. So it's a tricky business. You want to be the uh, opposition party in the state of Illinois? You want to uh, criticize the governor? You want to keep him on his toes, so to speak? But some of the stuff they're saying is pretty ludicrous. Uh, and that was a a good example. But Republicans do want more than that. The article continues here from the Chicago Sun-Times and the guy we've never met before at the Sun-Times, Neil Early. Neil, have I met you before? With many states saying they plan to ease social distancing restrictions starting next week, Pritzker is being pressured by some to do the same in Illinois. House Republicans called for a staggered easing of restrictions that would allow for some businesses to reopen while following social distancing. I don't know what businesses at this stage could reopen i'm thinking about this uh i know a little bit about the hairdressing business uh, my wife's a, a hairdresser so i'm trying to and that's one of the businesses that's going to be reopened in georgia i think that's on the list of uh, many uh, uh republicans when they think about the first phase of opening but you know if you don't know if you don't have testing how do you know that the person coming into your shop is not carrying the uh the virus so there's a bigger problem and this is where I wish the Republicans would get more involved. There's a bigger problem. We don't have uh, adequate testing in this country right now. We haven't had adequate testing from the get-go. And it doesn't seem like Donald Trump is in any hurry to provide us with that. So why aren't the Republicans using the power that they have within their party to promote, to uh, get the president to, what, get more testing? If you have more testing, then you can open up, start thinking about opening up uh, businesses because then you'll know how many people have the virus so it, it it seems as though republicans they're really struggling with this one because they don't want to criticize donald trump in any way so they have to find things that they can criticize about jb pritzker or well Lori lightfoot there's no republicans in the city of chicago the only one criticizing Lori lightfoot is me carlos and raylo and i'm not really you know jumping aboard it but you know having a little fun so i don't that really haircut huh <laughs> 
Yeah, the haircut. Not allowed to talk about the haircut, D. I told you that. Didn't we have that meeting the other day? Remember the meeting? Oh, no yeah, more yeah. haircut. It was, a, it was a pre-show meeting. No more haircut jokes, okay? So, I don't know. Republicans are really struggling with this one here in Illinois. They want to look like they're the party, you know, They like that's connected to the mainstream, the Republican Party, the, the Operation Gridlock people. But it's such an illogical... It's so such an illogical movement. It's not grounded in any reality. So they're really struggling here, dude. All right. Uh, and uh, earlier I gave uh, the number to the Ben Jarofsky show. Yes, we have a phone number, 708-658-4788. Yesterday we played our very first voicemail on the program. Ben, what would you think? It was Doogie. He yeah, sent us a good. voicemail. What would you think about that? good. Well, I, I, I'm looking for the next one. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said oh, that. Oh, no. I'm very glad. Oh, oh, no. What we, do you mean, we did oh, this, no? We did, we did discuss it in the pre-show. No, no. Oh, we didn't discuss that in the pre-show. this from me in the pre-show well, meeting. Uh, well, he just weighed in on the live stream chat and said, hey, Dennis, play my voicemail. It's about the state of Illinois reopening. So uh, it's about 18 seconds here. Doogie reached out once again. You can do the same, everybody. Reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show, 708 658 Four seven eight eight. Don't do that thing where you look at the letters with it. It doesn't spell anything. Seven zero eight. <laughs> Sorry, I tried, but it doesn't. Maybe it. I don't know. It does, no, but I, nothing it, in particular to our show. No, it does. It spells uh, Denny Bong Rips. <laughs> Dial D E N N Y Bong Rips. Seven zero eight six five eight four seven eight eight be like doogie and send us a voicemail let's hear what's on uh, doogie's mind here he reached out to us once again here is his voicemail i'm going to turn down our microphone so you don't hear that brown line going here it goes i think it's safe to say that we can go back to open up all the businesses when the nba comes back how does ben like that i think we should use them as the leaders of uh, everything is back to normal. Uh, excellent idea when the NBA comes back. And I just want to tell folks, uh, the NBA, it's interesting little uh, contrast between how the NBA uh, dealt with the, uh, the virus and uh, the Republican Party and Donald Trump. NBA, many of the owners in the NBA, the National Basketball Association, are themselves conservative Republicans, which makes them different, I think, than the players who tend to vote uh, Democrat in the uh, NBA. So, uh, before the pandemic really hit hard, uh, the uh, I think this is like late February, early March. Uh, it's been a while now. I'm losing track of time. The uh, the owners of the NBA had convened a meeting, uh, and they listened to a specialist uh, who uh, knows about pandemics. And this doctor, this specialist, explained to them the significant consequences of the coronavirus and the COVID-19 outbreak and the damage it could cause and how the disease spreads and how there's no way of, of knowing who has it uh, because people you could be carriers that show no symptoms of it uh, and how uh, one person can affect three or four others and then those three or four others can infect you know five or eight others etc and so forth all the things that logical people know and understand and the governors, the, the leaders of the NBA came to the conclusion that from a business standpoint, it would be disastrous to continue the, the season. Just liability issues alone. 
uh, would be overwhelming. Forget forget human life, just the cost of them of lawsuits that they would have to deal with uh, if they were to keep the games open in the middle of the pandemic. And so it was easy for them to, uh, from, for fiduciary reasons, to close the season. And I, I think about that a lot when I see this resistance coming from uh, the Republican activists uh, the, in the Republican Party, and that, which are, who are being encouraged by the Ron DeSantis and Brian Kemp's and Donald Trump's, because when it was Republican businessmen who had millions and millions of dollars at stake, if not billions of dollars at stake, they decided to close it down because they were looking for their best interest. So, I think do you may be on to some doogie. When those billionaires decide that it's in their economic best interest to open up the NBA, when they're not being uh, exposed to liability and they could uh, have the games without uh, being sued and and having people die, uh, then yes, it might be a a sign that we are ready to go back to business. But at the moment, that, that, that is a long way away. That's why everybody's watching The Last Dance, D. There's no sports. There's no basketball anywhere in the horizon, although they do talk, there's some little talk of like, uh, like having a, a, a like a tournament, NCAA single elimination tournament, like in June maybe on some island in the Caribbean. Have you seen this talk? Oh Dave? wow, no, yeah, I yeah. know that Dana White of UFC bought his own island and they're calling it Fight Island. Yeah, so well, it's how cool is cut that? from the same cloth. That's awesome. Yeah, so in other words, <laughs> sorry guys, yeah, isolate that's cool. the uh, the basketball players. Uh, on the island, you keep them there for at least two weeks to make sure that nobody has the virus. Uh, and then you play these games, single elimination tournament uh, in arenas where there are no fans. So that's the best we're going to get. Uh, but listeners, how cool is that? Year. That we've lived long enough to see a guy buy an island where people are just going to fight. Fight island. Holy cow. What a time to be alive, people. But you did bring up an interesting question, though, uh, when talking about the NBA and saying that most NBA players are uh, Democratic voters. Who who are the Republican voters of the NBA, like players? If you could think of uh, some players in the NBA right now who vote Republican, who would they be? Hang tight, non-sports fans. Uh, well, that's the political angle on the sporting thing. I, right now, I can't think of any uh, NBA players who would be Republican. I mean, there there, there has to be some, right? Well, here's the deal. Traditionally, and uh, I'm going to make a racial analysis, oh, boy. with the white players. I've noticed this. I've noticed this in the NBA for years. I'm a, a big fan of the NBA, and I read all NBA news, and when, every now and then there would be a political discussion. And uh, the um, there's only like two black players that I can recall uh, were ever uh, Republicans. One, Charles Barkley, and I think... That's uh, terrible. Yeah, and Charles Barkley was the, my favorite kind of Republican. He always voted Democrat. And it was funny. We go, like, he goes, I'm Republican. Remember he said, I'm Republican. Because uh, he had this conversation with his grandmother, I think it was. And he, he announced he was Republican. And the grandmother said, but Charles, only rich people are Republicans. And he goes, Grandma, I am rich. And so he became a Republican. But then he said, but I voted for Bill Clinton because I like him. And I voted for Al Gore because I liked him. It was like every time there was an election, he voted for the Democrat, but he still insisted he was a Republican. So he's my favorite kind of Republican. He votes Democrat. Uh, And um, Greg Anthony, I believe, uh, who played for the Knicks, uh, was a Republican. Other than that, if if they had a politics, they identified as Democrats, the the black players. Uh, And every now and then you have a white player like 
uh, Bill Lambeer, who used to play for the Detroit Pistons. I know it was way before your time, D. Uh, he was a Republican. Oh, really? A white guy named Bill, voting Republican. Yeah, Bill Lambeer. Interesting. Uh, he played for the Detroit Pistons. Bulls fans hated him, hated the Pistons. So, uh, and then there would be like the owners, you know, they would be Republican. Uh, but uh, no, overwhelmingly, I cannot think of one republic because so many of the players who aren't black in the NBA are, are from Europe now. So I don't know if they have any politics. I mean, whatsoever. white. A lot of the players that are white in the NBA, yeah, Europe, and yeah. Uh, Europeans. Uh, like uh, I'm trying to think, well, why would they have any politics in terms of the United States? You know what I'm saying? So I think the NBA, particularly since Obama, that was the other thing in the NFL. Oh my God, in the NFL football league. Like, I don't know if there's a white guy in the NFL who's a Democrat. Maybe Howie Long. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they're all Republicans. But then after Obama, all the black players were identifying with Obama. So then he had to walk that fine line. You know, and that's what really was at the heart of the Colin Kaepernick thing. They really worried about how that was going to break up the NFL split, the racial division. So to answer your question, D, I can't think of any players in the NBA right now who uh, would say openly that they're Republicans and admit that they voted for Donald Trump? Because I don't know if any of them there exist in the NBA. Mm, very interesting. Well, let's uh, try and crack this code here. Uh, if there's anyone listening right now who plays in the NBA, please reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J Show at gmail.com or Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show, at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you play in the NBA, please reach out to us and let us know who you're voting for. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, the closest I could think of it, uh, Craig Hodges, the great guard for the Chicago Bulls, great three-point shooter for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I remember doing an interview with him uh, shortly after the 2016 presidential race. And, of course, Craig Hodges hadn't played since the 90s. Uh, and he was essentially saying he didn't. He saw no difference between Hillary Clinton uh, and Donald Trump in terms of how they would impact uh, a poor black communities so that's as close as you'll find and he he wasn't saying he would ever vote for donald trump he was just saying he didn't see much of a difference between hillary clinton and uh, uh donald trump that's as close as i could think of a uh, nba person uh a, a black nba player saying uh he would vote for donald trump by the way if you're a listener and you're a nascar driver eh, keep it to yourself <laughs> we know who you voted for moving on chicago mayor Lori lightfoot <laughs> what's more important Saving lives Ugh. or getting a pedicure. It's cold out. Nobody's going to see your toes. <laughs> but everybody's going to see your hair, right? Sorry, D. Was, oh. not, was not allowed to make a Lori Lightfoot haircut joke. Yeah, come on. We had that pre-show meeting right, that you told that? everyone about. Yeah, well, uh, you said, no more jokes, Ben. I can't go anywhere in the north side. They love Lori. Today, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is at the historic Water Tower Place. Uh, she's scheduled to be there at 1 p.m. Yes, right now, as we speak, she's announcing the city's new COVID-19 Economic Recovery Task Force. Who's on the task force? Well, I'm not sure. I'm refreshing Chicago, uh, Chicago Sun-Times to find out the info. If we're lucky, maybe we'll find out who's on that task force before this segment, uh, before this segment ends. Eh, but I wouldn't count on it. 
All right. Now, Ben mentioned it earlier. Uh, we were talking about yesterday's Chicago City Council meeting. So uh, let's keep on talking about it here. Uh, let's see here. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. It says a few Chicago aldermen blocked a measure. Well, I'm sorry. This comes from Illinois Politico mm -hmm. and the one Shia Kapos. My apologies, Shia. Please. Keep listening to this program. All right. She says here, a few Chicago aldermen blocked a measure that would have expanded Mayor Lori Lightfoot's authority to spend and sign contracts for efforts to fight the coronavirus pandemic without the approval of the Chicago City Council. And it all unfolded on Ben's favorite, Zoom. <laughs> yeah. They love Zoom. <laughs> we had no clue what Zoom was until the pandemic, and boy, we found out, and we hate it. Yeah, Zoom's terrible. I don't know why everybody loves it so much. People just love Zoom, man. The proposal had already cleared the council's budget committee, so Wednesday's vote should have been uh, perfunctory. Never heard that word in my life. Instead, the alderman called the measure a, quote, power grab and used some legislative maneuvering to delay the vote until the next council meeting, which the mayor announced would be Friday, a.k.a. tomorrow. The delay was led by 35th Ward Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa and Alderman Ray Lopez. They are adversaries, but tend to agree on one thing, their opposition to Lightfoot. Uh, John Byrne and Gregory Pratt at the Tribune captured the drama of the moment. Uh, it says here, confusion reigned on the city council's Zoom feed for several minutes during <laughs> Wednesday's meeting as aldermen shouted over each other from their homes and offices. Oh, I'm sure dogs were barking like crazy, uh, trying to maneuver to either proceed uh, the vote or stop it. Lightfoot appeared frustrated as lawmakers talked over each other. When Lopez yelled, hell no! Yeah, it's... <laughs> During the roll call yeah. vote with Stone Cold Steve Austin at this uh, Zoom meeting, uh, he said, hell no, during the roll call vote, Lightfoot called him out for the language, saying, quote, hey, I know that some people like the sport of this, but it's highly inappropriate for some members of the city council to be using profanity. Wow. Without naming names, the mayor called the renegade alderman, quote, shameful and, quote, selfish, and accused them of grandstanding reports. Uh, Fran Spielman reported that. Uh, Lightfoot's frustration comes as she and her team try to get a hold of personal protective equipment to help frontline workers. Acquiring PPE oftentimes requires quick action. For example, a deal uh, for millions of items of the equipment could fall through if the mayor had to wait for council approval. Uh, and so she sees the temporary expansion of her authority as a life and death issue in the COVID-19 battle. Carlos Ramirez Rose, it sees it differently. He said, quote, this underscores why this power grab is not an appropriate step for this council to approve at this time. We need level-headed leaders that when they don't get their way are willing to compromise and work with the city council. Yeah, well, I talked about this already, D, and I got to tell you, if I were one of those aldermen, I would have been with Raylo and Carlos. And uh, and I say this because I don't believe the mayor of the city of Chicago should have any more power than he or she already has. Now, if they could show me in a, a case where have where if they didn't have this power, like somehow or other, the public uh, would be exposed, where public would be in trouble, there would be dangerous then I could see it, but I just, they have so much control over the city budget, you know, it's like uh, giving them more power. I don't know. So I'm with them. I was with uh, Raylo and you're right. It is a very unusual 
uh, tag team, Raylo and Carlos, they uh, were uh, did not get along at all. We've had them both on the show, and they both were criticized. Separately. 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 Yeah. And they would both criticize uh, each other. You know, like Carlos would criticize Raylo, Raylo would criticize Carlos. Uh, but they don't see eye to eye. It's very strange. We're going to talk about this with Dave Glowatz. He's going to break it down for us. He's going to come in, I think it's uh, next week on Tuesday or so, because uh, he's also going to summarize what happens at tomorrow's meeting. But my favorite part, D, is like there are all their separate rooms, and they're all yelling, and we know this from our own experience with Zoom. You know, if you, you, you talk over each other, it just blots everything out. The sound breaks down. The image breaks down. And the notion of all the aldermen yelling at the same time, dogs barking. It's like I face. can picture it right now. I mean, we've lived through that. You, you know, know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Where was the barking dog? Uh, it was uh, John Prine guy. Oh, right. Oh, my God. That was the John Prine uh, bonus interview, which, by the way, folks, is a great interview. But anyway, Mark Garino. Listen yeah. for the leaf blower. In uh, that one. The leaf blower, the train, the dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I can really empathize with the alderman and mayor. Uh, but that's the other thing. Like, he said, hell no. Now, that is as hard on me if I swear. Yeah, I'm not allowed to swear. You know what I mean? People come on the show and swear. They've been known to swear. It's a podcast for crying out loud. Uh, but, you know, we. We can't. We try to stick to those standards. Like, well, we're not going to swear. Yeah, well, Jay Marie asks, "Is hell profanity?" I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't put. So. Hell, I don't put hell in profanity. I, I'm with you, Jay Marie, 100 no, percent. on this say one. That. Ass is fine. Hell. I mean, hell. I, but see, that <laughs> Lori Lightfoot was so mad at Raylo uh, for pushing off the vote and embarrassing her, and you know, I get to do this. This is this weird thing that Chicago mayors have. They, they want to, it's like, I remember when Lori Lightfoot was um, j just about to take office and the reporters were asking her, well, you know, do you think you're going to get votes like a 40, 45, you know, 45 to 5 type votes? Uh, because it would be embarrassing if you only won, let's say, 35 to 15. And I'm like, what difference does it make if you win? What, what do you care if it's 26 to 24 or 47 to 3? And it was like this like status and a mayor really that what Ron was obsessed with this. Gotta roll out this huge vote to show, you know, that he's the man. He's well, in charge. It reminds me of that uh that website that uh went out there when uh the eleven, I believe, aldermen and women who uh, opposed Lori Lightfoot's oh. budget and she put it on a website. Yeah, she put the website <laughs> thing and like anybody would go to that website anyway for accurate information. And and then the aldermen. Like, like you won the vote. Why do you gotta do that? That's this obsession. Chicago mayors have with showing how powerful they are. And again, folks, I blame it on you, citizens of the city of Chicago. You love your powerful mayors a little too much. Okay? So I would have been with Raylo and Carlos just on principle, just to send a little message that, you know, we still are in a democracy. And if you have to wait tw uh, 48 hours to get even more power than you already have, there's nothing wrong with that. Shout out to Jay Marie on the live stream chat. Jay Marie, you're cool as hell. I hope you keep listening to our show. She says, Ben and Dennis, most or all of the progressive caucus were in on this too. Not just Rosa and not just the very non-progressive Lopez. Well, that, okay. Jay Marie's bringing up a good point. Uh, Ray Lopez, interesting character, uh, is more conservative. He's not in the progressive coalition. He's not uh, in the progressive caucus. He's not in, there's, then there's like the super progressive caucus. So yes, he's more conservative. Uh, that's true, but he has 
uh, Jay Marie, you have to at least get, concede this point. From the moment that Lori Lightfoot took office, he has sort of embraced this role as being, what, a critic of Mayor Lori Lightfoot, a critic of power, uh, an all-powerful mayor. So whatever his reasons, whatever his motivations, I feel I have to concede that point, that almost every single council meeting, whenever it's a, a matter of giving the mayor more power, he's on generally on the side of giving her less power for whatever reasons he has. All right, and Jay Marie, uh, shout out again. This is funny. She says, Lori is a petty Betty. <laughs> uh, uh, comments should be directed to Jay Marie. Uh, <laughs> Jay Marie clearly don't live on the north side. You're not allowed to criticize Lori Lightfoot. People love her on the north side. Yeah, Jay Marie, I don't know if you realize it, but now you can never live on the north side. They ask you that before. They have, uh, yeah, it's true. In the old I mean, days. Assuming you live in it. Yeah, in the old days when uh, I dared to vote for Stroger over Claypool, uh, they would not allow me into Starbucks uh, because of that. Hi, Dubs. welcome to Starbucks. Uh, uh, who'd you vote for again? Uh, I voted for uh, Todd Stroger. Leave! Okay. Get out of here. <laughs> I actually voted for John Stroger. He was in a coma. Uh, anyway, proud of that vote. All right. Well, that was fun. Weigh in on the live stream chat. If you're listening on the download, boy, you're missing out. You can petty, listen. Petty, petty. Petty, I know. That was pretty good. Oh, uh, join... I'm going to give you credit for that one, Jay. Uh, Jay Marie's awesome. Petty, uh, yeah. Petty. Join us on the live stream chat like Jay Marie, Kyle Young, and the rest of them. Kyle uh, weighed in. He says, Dennis's seven swear words you can say on the podcast. I think I'm going to come up with that. I'm going to do seven swear words that you can say on the podcast well since our guests none of our guests listen to your rules on this one it's as we learned from i mean uh, just you Kim and Fox. me everyone else could say what they want yeah just you and me i say hell okay let me ask you a question i have a question a serious question for you okay lay it on i'm me. not i've actually not even discussed this with you in the pre-show meeting ah typical right? benjirovsky <laughs> show we had one pre-show meeting it lasted for about four minutes uh <laughs> But I'm so proud of that pre-show. What's your question? All right, the question is this. There's a very funny show that typical for me. It's been on forever, but I just discovered it and started watching it. Watching it. And it's S-C-H-I-T-T, apostrophe S, Creek. So how do I pronounce that on our show? Well, you're right. And I think uh, after uh, Kim Foxgate, when Kim Fox came on our program and cursed, and then that broy guy i can't remember bill conway used it uh in his campaign ads i think i may allow uh shit as the seventh uh word that you can say on the podcast i don't know i'm thinking i about have it. never heard you swear i said i said it i said it last week i said bs last week you said bs yeah and then you went man i never heard that say what you said bullshit oh wow it's really hard i'm with them though i dennis you know you drum that in your head you always worry back in the old days of radio that someone's going to push that button it was oh, i had that moment of panic when some guests would uh would say shit usually was shit was the word they would say right d remember that panic i've never knew where the button was i think i'm gonna allow it i think that may be one of the words that we could say All on right. the podcast so and hell. hell i mean come on hell hell are you kidding me hell is a swear word lori lightfoot come on you went overboard with that how dare you the oh, children hey oh god yeah no, right. that's oh, your and heading you're heading into conway country uh mayor lightfoot you're heading into conway country. and speaking of chicago mayor Lori lightfoot ben jarofsky apparently there's a new psychological thriller oh yeah coming <laughs> out yeah. this summer spring i don't know when it's coming out in fact it's 
a fake movie I'm talking about, but Little Lightfoot. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. It's online right now. Uh, I saw it on Facebook yesterday. Uh, it's a fake movie trailer for uh, this little girl. She dresses up as Lori Lightfoot, and it's hilarious. I don't know if, any, if I, I made Ben watch this before. Uh, that was part of the pre-show. <laughs> Pre-show Boy, he's really happy. We uh, actually talked about what the hell we're going to do before the show for once. But uh, so I had been watched this before the show. Ben, what were your thoughts on the girl? That, that was uh, hilarious. Plays? Yeah, yeah. I, and she, I think Lori Lightfoot will embrace it. She, she, you know, she seems pretty good about embracing these things. Uh, so it was really funny. Uh, and with the fingers coming through. I obviously, we can't show it because we lost our video but uh the yeah coming i got the, the audio from the trailer well i mean even if we did have the video i still don't have the technology to show a video as we talk but anyway uh so we have i have audio of the trailer here i condensed it for uh audio so check this out little lightfoot coming to a theater near you but not really i used to hate to go outside But something changed. Stay home, save lives. Now I dream of going outside. But I can't because of her. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. Stay home, save lives. <laughs> But she was protecting me from a greater evil. Ooh. Stay home, say and if And when you see it, it's really good because it does have that feel of a, you know, the, the preview to a scary movie, Candyman. God, it seems like a, another universe ago I was watching the previews to Candyman. It was supposed to be coming out. Obviously, they're going to hold off on it. By the way, dude, we didn't get even to talk about uh, Mayor Goodman of Las Vegas. I, oh. I, I just want people to know, I, tr I you know, make fun of Lori, and she does get, uh, has that f compulsion to going a little daily on us uh, with the need to have more power. But I do believe she's looking out for our best interest. Uh, with the stay-at-home stuff. So thank you, Lori, for doing that. And particularly in contrast to Mayor Goodman, Carolyn Goodman of Las Vegas. That is so trippy. Her interview with uh, Anderson Cooper. Oh, my God. Do we have any of that, D, to play? I mean, uh, that... I have it on my phone here. Uh, it, 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 if you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. It's it's. So she is clearly uh, a pawn of the um, the gambling industry in Vegas, I mean, that's the industry that runs Vegas. That's the reason Vegas exists. So it's, uh, I can see, and her, you know, if you know anything about her background, her husband, et cetera, and so forth, you could see there comes very much of that community. But she was suggesting that they open up uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the casinos to business. Uh, and Anderson Cooper's losing his mind as he's pointing out all the reality that the virus, as he says, a, a casino would be a petri dish uh, for the virus, and she just won't concede anything. It's just <laughs> she's driving him crazy. Reminded me of old Paris Schutz in those old days when he was doing the uh, with, with the the show on WTTW where you have the various aldermen in and they would start fighting. You know what I mean? Hey, break it up! 
I, I had to sense that Anderson Cooper was really frustrated. So when yeah. I watch Mayor Goodman of Vegas, I just I got a, I got a little bit of it here. It's just it. very unfortunate that, uh, you know, it's a legitimate question. When do we go back to our normal lives? But the people representing this question is just not good. Uh, let's uh, listen to a little bit of this here. Take it away, Anderson. Oh, hey, by the way, uh, CNN, don't sue us. <laughs> yeah. uh, that'd be fantastic if you didn't do that. I just want to put up for our viewers. This is a, a restaurant. Anderson, you are tough. <laughs> no, I'm not We're talking. Back I'm just... to China. This isn't China. Yeah. This, this is, is Las a... Vegas, Nevada. Wow. Okay, that's really ignorant. This is a restaurant, and the that's yellow circle. To say that's an ignorant, that... ignorant statement. That's that's a restaurant, <laughs> and yes, it's in China, but there are human beings too. That yellow is a person who's in, who is asymptomatic and infected. And all those other red circles are other diners who that one diner passed the virus to. All those other people became infected in a restaurant that had air conditioning, and they believe it was the air conditioning which helped the virus and, spread and to all those other people. And you remember the Legionnaire's disease in 1976 in Philadelphia came all through the air conditioning. You don't remember because you're younger. I Typhoid do remember. Mary. Typhoid I Mary who I think passed away, well, anyway, during the late 30s, rode the buses, was a, uh, a cook, and she was asymptomatic, and she spreaded a, a, uh, a fear of getting typhoid, and she never showed a sign of it. And she lived most of her life quarantined. The reality was, I think, 58 people passed away from typhoid. And okay. so we're aware of this. We learn from history. Right. We've had Ebola. We've had the West Nile. But, we've right. had polio. We've had these horrific, None of those were as painful. infectious in Las Vegas. I mean, you didn't have people with Ebola on a casino floor. Yeah, this is, like I said, it was very frustrating uh, debating her because she would make a point about the need to open up the casinos. Uh, he would counter with a counter argument, and then she would agree. Look at what a frustrating person. Uh, Can you imagine being married to somebody like that? You're having like a discussion with them. They dis they they say no, you're wrong, and then you point out your evidence, and then they agree with your evidence that you pointed out to say you're wrong, and they go, but wait, I I I uttered that, I brought that out to show you're wrong, and they go, you're 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 not understanding me. Remember typhoid? Very frustrating dealing with her. The reality is the 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 part that she got at. Uh, D that uh, I give Anderson Cooper credit for zeroing on on. This isn't China. This is Las Vegas. And this notion that if you shut down the economy, you're somehow uh, promoting a totalitarian state, like the one uh, the government state uh, in China, that is sort of at the heart of the liberation Operation Gridlock movement. Uh, and uh, that's the part that I, I cannot buy in it because clearly. The powers that be that have ordered people to stay at home, I mean, it's so obvious, it's so bizarre that we have to say it, are not doing it because they want to exercise a dictatorial control over Dennis and Ben and Joe Biden. We're all operating out of our attics and basements. They're doing it because of a health consideration. So I don't know. It was very frustrating for uh, Anderson Cooper. I fell for him. I don't know if you can't see it, D, but the one point where he takes his glasses off, he's like, oh, my God, this lady. Yeah, he touched his face. Yes. Man, the lady, he got so frustrated that in, in, during a pandemic on television, on CNN, Anderson Cooper touched uh, his I'll face. What, that, that's a very effective uh, way of arguing with someone. You, you make a, a, an absurdist assertion 
they disagree with the assertion you make, and then you agree with their disagreement of the assertion. And, but wait a minute. I, I was saying that to prove you wrong. That's what I'm saying. Huh? <laughs> huh? What? Yeah, go check that interview out. That's uh, our mayor. If you haven't yet. Uh, we're going to take a break now. Uh, when we come Young back. Kenneth. Young Kenneth Davis. I have not heard from this man in a while. I'm looking forward to this interview with Kenny D. Ken Davis. People, don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan.
Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's Attic. <laughs> Ken Davis with us. Sound very good, Ken. L- loud and clear. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's the story from the editorial board. <laughs> uh, That's correct. So, so as I said earlier in the show, I got a, um, a text from Ken uh, with my instructions for what we're going to talk about. It arrived at the ungodly hour of uh, 10 a.m. I Ken, real wise guys, uh, got jokes. He said, hey, Ben, sorry to wake you. I know it's early. Uh, funny guy. Uh, you still need me today at 2. Yes, I need you. Uh, if you haven't bumped me for someone more interesting, I want to talk about. And here are the things, Ken, that you want to talk about. And we're going to get to them. I want to talk about Michael. Well, you know, I haven't seen you for a while, Ben. Your hair is really long. Man, you're almost <laughs> like you're going to give a ponytail pretty soon. I know. I'm like working with Willie Nelson over here. Wait, time out. I'm one of the few people in the world who actually gets a haircut on a regular basis because my wife is a hairdresser. And we're quarantining yeah, yeah. together, unlike uh, Haircut Gate. Haircut yeah. Gate. Oh, I'm going to make you uh, weigh in on Haircut Gate. Uh-oh. They'll kick him out of the north side if you say anything bad about Lori. Um, but you want to talk about Michael Moore's Planet of the Humans, which yeah. until, until you sent that to me, I had not seen. Uh, and I watched the uh, uh, trailer, to, uh, but I have not seen the movie because, of course, I'm obsessed with the Bulls. You, you're the good citizen, Ken. I'm watching The Last Dance, <laughs> utterly obsessed with basketball. And you, of course, are worried about the future of the planet. Uh, important. How, how dare you? Uh, and then you also yeah. want to talk about Earth Day uh, and Smokestack Gate, all things I want to talk about. All, all kinds of stuff. So, um, I mean, just... First of all, how did you celebrate Earth Day? Did you clean up a beach somewhere or you know, <laughs> pick litter in a park or something? Ben, I know you must be really tired. Uh, well, first of all, I was never a big Earth Day guy. I'm just sharing that. Oh. Uh, and I mean, this is kind of embarrassing because I, I believe in the concept of like a safe, clean environment, Ken. You know mm-hmm. that. Uh, but I'm like obsessed with basketball and politics. I just like, I don't, it's not like one of my things. So I was always like, like Mick Dumpke, my dear friend, Mick Dumpke, he was into like recycling stories and stuff, you know? And, uh-huh. and I'd be like, yeah, those are really important stories. Thank God you're doing them, you know, cause I don't want to do them. Uh, so it's a I long way of saying, I didn't yeah. even know it was Earth Day until later. Until you sent me that reminder. Oh God, I shouldn't admit that. Uh, well, I barely knew about it until I got the notice from you saying, oh, you're going to want to talk about Earth Day. Oh, that's and a I great said, oh Ben God, impression. Day, yeah. That was a great Ben Jarofsky impression, Ken. You've been holding out on us. I don't hey, remember. Man, you want to like, talk about it? You probably want to talk about Earth Day, huh? <laughs> You're just making stuff up. You're like Lori Lightfoot. Making stuff up. Uh, but, you know, it, yeah. it, I mean, it has to be said mm-hmm. that um, I – Barely even. I mean, I, I haven't paid any attention to Earth Day for decades. It's it's kind of like um, well, I mean, if, if there were a uh, an encyclopedic entry for co-option, I think that would be it. I mean, the whole point is, hey, we're a global uh, oil company and we make plastics that are contaminating the entire planet and filling the ocean with our crap. Would you like to join us picking up trash off the beach on Thursday morning? That yeah. would be really nice of you. And that's kind of what I think it is. It's I know there's something uh, very jaded and cynical about the whole thing, the whole venture. And of course, I feel really bad to say I, I wasn't even aware of it. And that Earth Day, uh, I think it's the same day as Marijuana Day, uh, which is... <laughs> 
<laughs> so, it, you know, reefer day. Take your pick. You take, and I don't really pay attention to either one. I mean, you know, I see. I'm utterly obsessed uh-huh. with basketball. Uh, I think on Earth yeah, Day yeah, I was watching yeah. The Last Dance. That's what I was doing. I'm sure you were, yeah. Uh, yeah. But we'll, we'll talk about uh, Michael Moore's Planet of Humans. Uh, get your uh, review of it and why you think people should watch it and what the themes are uh, in it. Um, but, uh, well, no, let's just take, since we're talking environment, let's just go there right now. Uh, tell everybody yeah. what they need to know about Planet of, of the Humans. Well, uh, this is a film uh, that was EP'd, executive produced by Michael Moore, uh, and it's it's actually hosted by Jeff Gibbs and, uh, and, and another associate of his who who were people who had worked on all of Michael Moore's films before, so the tone is very you know very similar. Um, but here's the thing: I watched this film yesterday, the first, first moment I know that it was available, and it's available for a month, by the way, free on YouTube. Just look up Planet of the Humans and you'll see it. And it really deeply affected me because um, it got right to the heart of my own cynicism. I mean, for years and years, as you know, Ben, I worked in the Department of Environment when there was a Department of Environment in the city. I was their, their spokesperson even. Um, but even through those years, I had an underlying really deep cynicism about the whole environmental movement, and I always have had. Um, and part of it is that we we talk about the, the main focus of Michael Moore's movie is 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 energy generation, uh, solar and wind and all that. And the fact of the matter is that you can't have these these platforms, they can't exist without the underlying structure of coal and oil, because it takes coal and oil to run the machines that extract all of the rare metals that you put into the, you know, into the solar panels and so forth. But their big argument is that it it generates such a tiny, such an infinitesimal amount of energy by comparison, and they just blow holes into the whole thing about how, you know, um, you have to have nuclear plants. You can't have a solar array or a wind array uh, feeding a factory or something like that unless there's a nuke plant nearby because you have to have power 24 hours a day to dip in and out as the sun goes in or the wind drops and everything else. So this, this is an argument that's been around forever and and it's it is valid um but they are they savage the um alternative energy industry in a way that i haven't seen it done before and they really take off on things like biomass uh where uh, you know biomass is the burning of very innocuous sounding wood chips you know we have we're just all we're burning is wood chips so we're not burning any of that nasty coal or oil but of course to get that they showed the deforestation of the northeast uh thousands and thousands of acres of trees being cut down and then just shredded into chips to feed into these um plants that are basically municipal incinerators that are putting all kinds of other crap into the air because they're also burning tires while they're at it and other municipal waste. So it's just you know, and it, it's that kind of thing. And 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 my favorite part of it, you know, for the for those of us who just love to be really cynical, is all of the the Earth Day 
presentations and the big celebrations where the entire thing is 100% solar because solar power, solar power is running all of the everything that's here. And then, of course, they go backstage to look at the solar panel with a, an expert and the solar array says it's probably generating about 1,200 watts. So you might be able to run maybe a toaster off of that array, but you sure as hell can't run all of those amps and lights and everything else. And for that, if you look around the corner down the hill, there's a diesel generator down there that's generating all the power for the stage. So, you know, this is this is the level of cynicism that it is. But I, I absolutely, I just require every one of your listeners and viewers to watch it because it's just an amazingly put together film. I have all kinds of problems with it, and that's a, that's a separate discussion. If you want to get into well, that. let's but, let's let's uh, let's get into that. Uh, some of the cynicism that uh, you're expressing, uh, uh, that they're expressing, I remember going back to 1979. I want to say it was uh, there was mm-hmm. a no nukes movement in this country, yeah, uh, and yeah. there was a no nukes concert in uh, New York, where rock stars showed up and played. Uh, and they turned it into a movie. I don't know if you ever saw the movie, uh, Ken, what you were doing in 1980 or 1979. I do not know. Uh, I actually saw the movie, and Ralph Nader was a part of the movement. Uh, and, uh, the, again, there was a cyn- cynical response to that, which is that the um, the solar panels that uh, the activists were advocating could not even power the amps that were playing mm-hmm. their music. So that was a cynical right, re- right. response to that. Right. So I've always struggled with this. Like, what is sort of the overall theme of uh, Jeff Gibbs and Michael Moore's movie. Is you're saying that it's just all hopeless, that we have to embrace uh, forms of energy that are just going to lead to the destruction of the planet? Uh, well, it's interesting, Ben. It, it, it's a very interesting thing because the, the, the sort of the opening lines of the movie are what happens when a single species so dominates the planet that it acquires the power to exhaust all the planet's resources. Will that species have the consciousness to go against its own interests and limit its own consumption? And it starts out as a thing about we just consume too much, but eventually it turns into what I think it really is, which is a population argument that they're just we are already beyond the point where there are just too many people on the planet. And we're cutting down the very last of everything and eating the last of everything. I mean, they say that, uh, you know, marine fish production worldwide stopped peaked 20 years ago. Active farmland uh, has peaked about a few years ago. It's now covering 40% of the world. That's about the most you can get. Rivers are at peak level for irrigation. Fresh groundwater in the United States has about 10 years left. So it is really, really dark. And what they're saying is there are just too many people. But of course, then you're left at the end of this thing feeling like sick to your stomach, like, oh, my God, it's like it's, you know, the end is near. But then so, you know, as as Mayor Daly, the first would say, what trees do you plant? <laughs> right. I mean, you yeah. know, what, what, so so who are we going to kill? Let's let's decide if we get to kill about a billion or a billion and a half people. Maybe we should just let this whole coronavirus thing run its course and then it would correct the planet a little bit. Maybe that's what the planet's trying to do right now. Or, you know. If you want to really, if you want to limit uh, consumption, let's just start right there. What year do you want to go back to? 1925, 1918, 1830, you know? I mean, I don't know how you're going to do it because just look at population. I mean, um, uh, 
let's see, in, uh, in 1950, there were 2.5 billion people on the planet. Today, there are 7.8 billion. They say it's going to level off about 10 billion in 2100, and then it might just kind of stay there, but we won't be able to feed 2100 billion, or I mean, uh, 10 billion people. So, Okay, that means you gotta just, we gotta like stop all consumption immediately if we're gonna be able to be around in 2100. I don't know, I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, are, are you, you know, having seen this movie, are you so cynical that you've come to the point that you agree that Ron was uh, right to get rid of the Department of Environment? Why? Because it was it was it's hopeless. hopeless. It doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> What's the difference? Well, We're yes, all going to we, die. Well, course, we certainly know that he was a big, uh, you know, forward thinker in those regards. So maybe that was his game. I don't know. I never thought about it that way. But no, I I, I uh, thought it was a terrible mistake uh, to get rid of it. Now, of course, you know, I I'm conflicted here because I worked for the Department of Environment. I did. I worked for the Department of Environment, and I. Um, I thought that we were doing some good things. We, we, there were certainly a lot of missteps during the time I was working there, as with any organization. But I mean, I'm looking at, you know, I, I, we'll come back to this movie, but I'm looking at, you know, Smokestack Gate, right? Mm, yeah. Um, you know, the, the, I know I've heard you talking about it, and, and lots of people do, but my reaction was if there had been a Department of Environment, I think those permits would not have been issued because the, the Department of Environment ran those kind of permits through three or four different agencies within the department. And the air, the air division of the Department of Environment would have looked at that and said, well, you know, this is it's not going to work. And they would have, they would have needed to see the, um, the water cannons and everything the day before they would have inspected to make sure that all of it was in place before anything even started. I, that's the way I look at it anyway. And I just think that, um, you know, the mayor, uh, when, before she was elected was talking all about, we need to get the department of environment started up again. And then of course, when she faced the realities of her budget, that was one of the first things that went. And I, you know, it's hard to argue that, um, you know, bringing equality of some kind to the West and South sides and feeding people who are hungry are, are not higher priorities. I, I won't make that argument, but it's a shame. It's a shame not to see that level of regulation that, uh, that once existed. Well, I would argue that, uh, they're part of the same process. In other words, trying to make sure that uh, poor neighborhoods have adequate resources is part of the same process as trying to make sure that poor neighborhoods are adequately protected uh, from Absolutely. environmental yeah. contaminants. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, just to ref people who are listening who uh, don't know what we're talking about, uh, about a week ago it was the city of Chicago had uh, given a permit to a company to tear down. Uh, a smokestack uh, as part of an that's part of an old coal uh, burning plant on the southwest side, and there's going to be a development there eventually. So they have to get rid of what exists on the land, uh, so they can build a development. And we're in the middle of this: uh, stay in your home, lock down, don't go outside, don't go to the beach. You know, be safe. Let's all be in this together. And they gave a permit. <laughs> They gave up only in Chicago. They gave a permit to a company to tear down the smokestack. And guess what? All this soot just went everywhere. And we, at the very time we're trying to fight this respiratory disease, is, can my. 
it's important to, to say that they gave a permit to implode this the smokestack, not to dismantle it. They could have they could have that could have been taken down without without just blowing it up. But they chose that because it's the cheapest and easiest and fastest way to get the development rolling, right? Yeah. So yes, it can be done. It is done often and done successfully. It costs a lot of money to do it properly because you have to have like the equivalent of a small town fire department out there to irrigate it, to put enough water on it so that the you know, the uh, smoke doesn't fly all over the community. Yeah. And so in the aftermath, what became important was the public relations battle. And this is all taking place yeah. in the middle of a pandemic. So everybody, yep. it's like one of the, th- it's like, I, I talk about this all the time, Ken, like the things that would usually dominate conversation in Chicago is kind of pushed to the side because we're facing, you know, like the end of the world as we know it. And so uh, maybe that's not important. Uh, but uh, so the whole, it, to me, the fundamental issue is why was this permit granted in the first place, uh, given the fact that we are in a lockdown mode and that our mm-hmm. mayor is doing public service announcements saying, you know, like don't get your hair cut or don't get your hair colored yeah. or don't go to the beach. or And they're making jokes about it, but she's serious and she's very proud of the fact that she, uh, yeah. she's been vigilantly looking out for the people of the city of Chicago. So who thought this was a good idea? To, yeah, exactly. And yeah. yeah, I haven't I haven't heard you talk about this. Maybe I've missed this. If I have, sorry to repeat it. But do you believe that Lori Lightfoot knew that that permit had been issued? Okay, now we're. Uh, I yes, I'll put it this way. Um, I do believe that she knew because Michael Rodriguez, the alderman from the twenty second ward, was raising it as an issue. And mm-hmm. uh, so then we get into the whole issue, and and this is this is like an old fashioned uh, Chicago story, Ken, that mm-hmm. existed before the pandemic. All right, so mm-hmm. where we would really have a lot of time to deep dive into what did the mayor know and when did she know it? One of those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. who decided to issue? You would go through, you get all the. I mean, in the old days, there would be reporters scrambling, filing FOIA mm-hmm. requests, mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. out when. When the permit was issued, who asked for the yeah. permit? What was the chain yeah. of the, the command? You know, how far right, up did right. the emails go? Let's go FOIA for the emails. Let's put together a timeline. Uh, you know, when did my Alderman Rodriguez contact the Department of Environment, and what was the response? And uh, and who ultimately was benefiting from this? And did they give mm-hmm. money to Lori Light? You know what? You know that kind of story. Yeah, that Chicago, yeah, yeah, sure. We have this whole sure. cadre of great reporters. They would have been all over this. But we're in the middle of a mm-hmm. pandemic, and it's just like Rodriguez shouting at Lori and Lori shouting at Rodriguez. Well, Rod- Rodriguez isn't yeah. really shouting at Lori. He's a little yeah, intimidated, yeah, yeah. I feel. But yeah, I think so. I think he's just like overmatched. Uh, and so uh, Lori's like, shut up. We're in a pandemic. Don't ask me any questions. <laughs> Uh, you know, so I, I don't know, uh, what Lori, uh, you know, knew and when did she know it, but my guess is that it would have been discussed. I mean, it's, you know what? The alternative is just as bad, Ken, that the permit was issued and no one talked about it. Well, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. But I mean, the thing is that where this, where this intersects with, the you know with the um the current political situation is that i want to believe that my mayor who i who i have 
faith in actually i i have some faith in her that she's that she's the real item that she's that she means well the mayor that i want her to be would have seen that permit and said look i know that the 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 people for justice uh the the group the, the justice group in uh, little village um little village environmental justice organization is what i'm trying to say that that they have been complaining about this from the beginning way back into the ram administration that yeah you're going to tear down this horrible coal plant thank you very much for that and what are you going to put in its place a place where hundreds of semi trailers come in every single day and dump more nitrous oxide and everything else into the air. Almost, well, I won't say as much as that smokestack did, but you're not really cleaning this place up. You're building a, a, a project where very few people will work, and it's not really helping our community. I mean, that's what those people, back when I was doing the TV show, we had them on a couple times to talk about that very issue. So it would seem to me that the mayor... I believe Lori Lightfoot to be would look at this and say, "Wait a minute, we got a hot spot here as it is. I want to make sure that that is going to be handled properly." And I'm, it doesn't appear that that happens, and that that's that's really kind of that kind of ticks me off. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, I'm going to give Lori Lightfoot the benefit of the doubt here. And, and it's in it, I we make fun of ourselves all the time, Ken. We're operating out of my attic overlooking the alley. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's easy for me sitting in my attic overlooking the alley mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, declare what Lori Lightfoot should have done. She's you know, right. got a lot of so I, I say that up front. But this is a classic mixed message. And uh yeah. we yeah. I made fun the of the old mixed message. Mixed thing. message yeah. saying I made fun of the mayor. Uh, when she may, got angry at everybody in Chicago for going to the beach on the first nice mm-hmm. day in March, I think mm-hmm. it was. Maybe it was April. I've lost mm-hmm. track of time. Remember that? When she was outraged and she had yep. pictures of yep. people congregating in the beach and, and the mayor mm-hmm. was mad. And then uh, Chicagoans kind of embrace that. They love a, 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 a tough mayor. Um, they but, love being yelled at by the mayor. Yeah, they love being yelled at. We'll get into that. <laughs> I'm going to bring me. But uh, the reality is, is that the mayor's people dropped the ball because they all knew they should have known that it was going to be a beautiful day and it would have been yeah, the first beautiful yeah. day in weeks. Right. And Chicagoans, right. they leave their house in droves when it's a beautiful day, yeah. you know? And so yeah. the announcement yeah. should have been the day before. So afterwards right. she's stern, you know, you are like mm-hmm. little children. I can't trust right. you to do the right <laughs> thing. So true, Ben. That is so, so true. So now I'm going to close. It worked, and and Chicagoans <laughs> can they're so, they're like oh yeah we're little children yeah, yeah. we need a tough mayor and it's you know it it's well but here there's another aspect of this too you know when that the 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 day like the day after that what was it the Sunday wasn't it I think when that happened wait and, what, and, what, uh, a Sunday was a nice day when people the, the, when everybody was out in the no I think it was a weekday front. I'm I'm oh, almost week? positive oh, anyway. it was a weekday yeah. Well, I don't know if you remember the column that Mark Brown wrote, but he now lives on the lakefront and was talking about how he loves to walk the dog along the lakefront and everything. And really, Madam Mayor, come on, this is an extreme position. We don't need to go this far. I mean, come on, you know, maybe we can just have people 
that kind of thing. And I got to say, I read his column and I kind of agreed with him because like him, I love my lakefront. It's my personal lakefront. I, I'm constantly walking up and down the lakefront and sometimes my bike and all that. I love being on that lakefront. And I just felt like it was, it was just a ridiculous idea to say that you can't go to the lakefront. 48 hours later, I'm in this camp where I wouldn't go to the lakefront right now if you paid me a thousand dollars cash, right? Yeah. She's so right. I'm with my mayor. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So whether it was whether it was brilliant strategy on her part or just dumb luck, she lucked in, or she she put herself in exactly the right place at exactly the right time, and that's when the memes started, right? Yeah. That's when everybody started putting pictures of Lori Lightfoot in their front windows. <laughs> Ken, yeah. actually, uh, we were we talked about that Mark Brown comment, oh, yeah. and we uh, we had a question. And we'll, let's get your take on it. Yep. According to Mark Brown, he went up Cricket Hill fifteen times. <laughs> this is the part we zeroed yeah. in on. Okay, we re- we riffed on this column. Uh, <laughs> do you really think fifteen sounds like a lot? Yeah, that was what <laughs> well, we did. Uh, we we challenged Mark. Yeah, I know. The, like the things we picked up on was like the part of the column where he goes, "I did it fifteen times," and I'm like, "No way! Did you go up and down that hill fifteen times?" Yeah. Anyway, the things. and what was the response? Did he did he, he ignored you? No, I he actually said he has a good sense of humor. He sent me an email, uh, and he said that he like he runs up the hill, but his bad knees make him walk down the hill. So, uh, okay. you know, I got a little tricky there. You left me to conclude that you ran up and down the hill 15. Sounds like yeah. seven and a half to me. Yeah, so seven and a half, we'll call yeah. it a day. But it was a good column. The point of me yeah, was, it was. I was it was a very good column. I was envious. I said, oh, I wish I wrote that column. Uh, you yeah, know, that's when yeah. it's a good column yeah. when it leaves you saving. <laughs> but the part I fixated on, wait a minute, 15. I've done right. Cricket Hill. I'm lucky right, if right, I go right. up it five times. And he's, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen yeah. Mark Brown. Yeah. This is not Kip Keno yeah. here, all right? So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. but uh, no, it's so, the piping clovers, and now this, yeah, yeah, the piping clover, good, good memory. No, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm willing to uh, say that uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, has overall done a good job, uh, just sort of symbolizing the kind of a tough mayor trying to watch over her city, and I think Chicagoans really do appreciate it. Uh, Ken, yeah. That, yeah. that kind of toughness. But you and I have had this conversation for a long time. I, I just mm-hmm. have this tendency to resist uh, powerful mayors. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of where I go the opposite direction, just who I am. And I, well, it's, it, it, it's more than or maybe less than uh, how much power they have. It's how um, persuasive they can be in bossing you around. Mm. And this is an interesting, I mean, oh God, Ben, you and I, this, this is all we ever want to talk about. But, you know, Richard M. Daly had that quality. He could, he could cow people into doing the things that they, that he wanted them to do. Rahm Emanuel, not so much. He didn't really have that ability. He would, he, he was a little too whiny and people didn't, didn't go for it. Take a chill and pill, I man. Think <laughs> Sorry. Huh? That's Dennis played take a chill pill, but go ahead. Take a chill pill, man. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> take a chill pill. So, you know, it just, it, but now we've got kind of this, this hybrid of a mayor who lectures us 
and pounds us on, slaps us in the face when we do things wrong and wags their finger at us. And yet we're, we're like, we're kind of appreciating it. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, kind of weird. No, we, uh, Chicagoans are weird, uh, Ken. They, they, yeah. Appreciate a tough mayor a little too much. Wait, D, I sent, and special for Ken, uh, I sent Dennis earlier today. I was prepared for you. Uh, Ken Davis and I share this bizarre uh, obsession with Mayor Richard M. Daly. Nobody remembers yes. him anymore. It's like he's two mayors ago. <laughs> Get what over you will it. about Mayor Richard uh, And uh, But I have this, I sent this clip, and uh, Dennis, he'll give me the thumbs up when it's ready to go. Uh, I have two clips. I have a montage and I have a speech. Do you want me to play the montage? Yeah, first? play the montage because it, it, it includes uh, his his exchange with McDumkey. So we're gonna play. This, oh, will, bring yeah, back, this yeah. will bring back some memories. Our have old, you ever have you ever heard the the podcast that Bill Cameron does over at WLS? It opens with this. He has this montage that's been running for years. But well, this is probably daily, the one. The, we're gonna play okay. it right now. Play it right now. All right, All right here we go. <laughs> I just want to tell you, if the cougar attacked a child, they sue the city because the police officer didn't do their job. I didn't see a neighbor running out and grabbing and saying, oh, "I love you," bringing in the house. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> I said cuckoo once. I'll say it again. Cuckoo. Thank you. Thousands. Thousands. Yeah, silliest thing I ever heard in my life. Don't tread on them. We did not cut. They have cut state mental health facilities all over the state. That is state money. Underline that. S-A-T-E, money. It's called state money. <laughs> oh, it's been very effective. If I put this up your you butt, you'll find out how effective it is. This up your you butt, you butt. <laughs> but you will not have the courage. You know that. S-A-T-E, money. Yeah, you watch the spelling on the show, he'd be a perfect hire for it. <laughs> You'll find out how effective it is. If we put a round up your... It's silly. Bald-headed. <laughs> He's bald-headed. Is that silly? No. <laughs> Come on. I mean, it's the silliest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, all right, that is a montage. And then the other one, Ken... Uh, is that what Cameron plays? That montage? Or is that no, no, his, his, his is just a, you know, it's like uh, um, and, and, guacamole. I like guacamole and and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, the uh, the the part in there about uh, McDumpkey is worth. If I if I put yeah, this up yeah. up your butt, uh, it, yeah. it'll be effective. And that, of course, my good friend Mick yeah. was asking him a question about whether gun control laws were effective, and he had a right, musket, right, and right. he's like, if I put this, uh, and <laughs> but the, the other bit which uh, is. From a budget debate, I think, uh, where Daly wanted the council to, to vote for his budget and Bob Fioretti, Robert Fioretti, did not vote for it. I, I think that's what the issue was. Uh, and mm -hmm. Daly just went off on Fioretti. <laughs> and uh, it was very similar to uh, what kind of what Lori Lightfoot's doing now. And I'm starting to see some similarities between Lori Lightfoot mm -hmm. and Mayor Daly, mm -hmm. uh, the way mm -hmm. each of them deals with dissenting aldermen. And, um, 
uh, and Daly went off on Fioretti and saying, okay, I'm going to order the CTA not to stop in your ward. And what are you going to do yeah. when I order the CTA to stop it, not to yeah. stop in your ward? You're going to yeah. come running at me and you're going to want streets and sand. And, and it's <laughs> a poor, <laughs> and he's mad, you know, he's getting really angry. And I'm starting to see some similarities between how yeah. Lori deals yeah. with, what do you think? Oh, you know, I think it's possible. Uh, I, but I, I, I mean, I think she's she's different in so many ways. It's almost impossible to count how many ways she is. But, but I think you know, she's a, she's a student. I'm sure she's learned from the Daily Playbook. And uh, Daily was very good at intimidation. He was very very good at that. So I don't know. What was your and you were watching yesterday's city council debate? Uh, yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you about because I, um, I, I was just sitting here mesmerized watching the zoom of the city council meeting and it was just as awful as zoom meetings everywhere are i mean except that in this case there were like what 50 plus two or three there were like 53 people on this thing and there were just these hilarious moments when my dear alderman out here in the uh, 38th ward was just kind of like mumbling to himself (laughs) (laughs) and then the other alderman were saying um you know hey you should uh, you should mute you know you know where the mute button hit the mute button and and all the aldermen when they were when they would talk there was always a dog barking in the background (laughs) and stuff it was just it was just such amateur night stuff and of course the fact that absolutely nobody knew what they were voting on and you could just every once because you know, it, it has like automatic gating on the on the microphone. So when someone starts to speak, you know, you can hear it. And people are just saying, what are we voting on? What, are, what is this? What are we voting on? It was just, it was hilarious. But it was also, you know, it was interesting to watch um, uh, the whole defer and publish thing and, and how that all worked out. And I actually, if you don't mind, I have another, I have another question to uh, ask you, because I thought that Carlos Ramirez Rosa brought up a very good point when he said, why do we need to give you this kind of power to make these instantaneous decisions when we've already proven right here that we can call the city council together from their home yes. in relatively short time? So if there was some kind of huge emergency that you needed to know in Immediately, I mean, I don't think he put it quite this eloquently, but, you know, you could call, your staff could call every alderman within six hours and have everybody who wanted to be on the line and take a vote. Mm -hmm. So now that we've crossed this this barrier that nobody ever thought we could cross where we can actually take a vote, you know, virtually, we don't have to be sitting in those big leather chairs. You know, hey, it changes everything, right? So why do you need this power? Tell me again. I mean, was he right about that? Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I've been saying all day. I've not seen any evidence from the mayor's office that justifies like a, a larger public safety uh, interest in giving her more power than she already has. And yeah. so, I mean, and, she was arguing the 48 hours that it takes 48 hours, and she might have to make a life or death decision within 48 hours. And you know, that sounds a little bit squeezed to me but listen it's it's like everything else with the mayor at this point with the pandemic so we make fun of ourselves for the haircut jokes but Mm -hmm. when when people pointed out that there was inconsistency with the mayor saying doing the psa saying don't tend to your hair 
but then saying yeah, she, yeah. she has to do because she's a public yeah. figure and, uh, yeah. and then she gets mad and says, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Stop asking <laughs> me these questions. So, you know, right. there's no question you could ask now. We're in a pandemic. So right. let's right. just give her right. more power. I can't. I'll go one step further. I, I, Carlos made a good point. And you and you made a, uh, a compelling point, too, that in the age of virtual meetings, you could ha- hold a meeting at any time, in any place, et cetera, and so forth. Mm-hmm. I've, I, I've only once in the last 30 odd years has the mayor been forced uh, to override a veto. Only once. And mayors get what they want from the Chicago City Council. And mm-hmm. so without any kind of uh, difficult, I, I would say a mayor could get virtual, this mayor could get anything she wants out of the city council. She got 26 votes, 26 votes without any kind of arm twisting, Ken. Yeah, yeah. So what does she need more power? Mm-hmm. Just I just don't see it at all. Even in the yeah. even if you didn't have it's virtual, it's confusing because you can't even figure out what it is that she wants. I mean, what 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 is this extraordinary power that she feels she needs? I mean, like you know, authorize another uh, you know um, <laughs> I don't know Sterling Bay give Sterling Bay seventy five billion dollars. I mean, I don't know what 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 would she need? I don't know. Anyway, that's uh, a that's a very good point because. The Lincoln Yards uh, vote went down in a different political, in a different world. There was no pandemic, mm-hmm. but she was right. saying she was powerless to stop it. Right, right. So now she's even yeah. more. So I, I, um, I, I just kind of had a smile, and I, I would have obviously voted just because who I am with uh, Carlos and uh, Raylo on that one, just mm-hmm. out of principle, mm-hmm. just. Yeah. Just to let everybody know I was breathing and alive. How would you have yeah. voted, young uh, Kenneth, if you were an alderman? Oh, man. I I probably would have voted with the 48 because it just didn't seem like, you know, you get this thing about, you know, what's the hill you want to die on? I wouldn't I would not have been willing to have been on the on that side of <laughs> yeah. that vote that day because I'm, you know. I, you could say that I'm a practical person, or you could just say I'm a coward. But I think that the other 48 were making, if it was 40, I don't know what the real numbers was, but, but if we're all 50 on that thing, I don't know. But anyway, the people who were not the two, um, they were making a calculation, and they were saying, you know, this is like, this is not worth it. It's not worth getting um, Lori Lightfoot all picked off at me over this. There are going to be bigger fights, and I want to save my powder for that. Yeah, that's the way I would have looked at it. Uh, yeah, that that's a, that's a very compelling argument. Uh, and uh, Dennis has made that argument to me in things uh, for as long as I've known him. Ben, this is not the hill you want to die on. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah I'm always winning, yeah. looking to die on a hill. Uh, yeah. But this is not the one you want to die on. Uh, so, and that's a classic. Dennis and I are great military heroes. You know, we're both <laughs> decorated military heroes. The both thing, of us. But the thing about most aldermen, though, you know, I will stand up to the mayor. But this is not the hill I want to die on. What hill exists that you would die on? I'm, I'm still looking yeah. for that hill. Anyway, yeah. uh, all right. Well, but you know, the, the, just one quick point, as you, which is kind of echoing what you just said. The fact of the matter is that the mayor can get anything she wants through the city council, anytime yeah. at all, anyway. Yeah. So it's just it just doesn't make a lot of sense to ask for this extraordinary power because it's 
she almost all she has like ninety eight percent of that power already. Yeah. So anyway, I listen. Sometimes hey. I, my guess is, and I could be wrong. I'm not in the middle of their backroom deals, and you know we're always conferring. It's like you got to do something that looks really impressive. I know. I'll give myself more power, and then I can, <laughs> yeah. then I'll look yeah. really impressive. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's just kind of yeah. like the person's in charge and goes back to what I've said. Mm -hmm. Chicagoans love a mayor yeah. who's in charge. Yeah. All right, Ken, yeah. we got to get going here. And uh, it was a pleasure. Hey, we didn't get a chance to talk about recycling. We should do that some other time because there's some very interesting stuff going on in recycling. So I did research for your show, Ben. Oh, we'll do it. Well, let's talk time. about it. Uh, that was somehow or other. I missed that on my list of things to talk about. So go no, ahead. No, it's, it's just it's just something else along the you know things you learn about when you're looking at other things. A very interesting thing has happened. Um, waste management, by the way, there you're going to be upset about this. Waste management's uh, profits have declined 35 percent, or their revenues have declined 35 percent since 2017. Um, so you should know that because of, because of recycling. Recycling is not making them any money anymore. Mm. Um, but the, the interesting thing to me is that um, we're finding out that the few things in the world that actually do get recycled are like cardboard and uh, clean cardboard, some clean paper, uh, some aluminum, but pretty much nothing else. But the fact, but most of that stuff that gets recycled is coming from from clean sources, like like you know restaurant groups and that kind of thing. People where where the stuff doesn't get out into the environment, like a can stays within the in, uh, within the environment and gets recycled in a can that that goes back and all that. So what's happening is with everything being closed, the plants that really do do recycling are finding that their their feedstocks are are dropping. So they're actually turning to, of all things, curbside recycling to try to pick out some of the crap that's in re curbside recycling. And they're finding that cardboard, some people are actually using, are, are keeping their cardboard clean that they're getting from Amazon and everything else. So a little bit of momentary good news for curbside re recycling that a little tiny bit of that stuff is actually getting recycled <laughs> instead of what we all know ordinarily happens is that the big trucks come and pick it up source separated into the truck and then it goes to the landfill so yeah there you are. uh well that's good news because this is just a long-standing uh debate in my household where you know i was like they don't recycle this stuff why do i have to buy Get those mm -hmm. newspapers into the blue bit. So uh, yeah. uh, I'm happy to hear there's some good news. You started off with the horrendous news that n the world is coming die. to an end. We're all going to die. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Michael Moore is right. Uh, and, and then you ending with some positives. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch that Michael Moore movie. Uh, Jeff Gibbs movies. And and keep in mind that some of the people who are eviscerated in that movie, and, and this is another longer conversation I'd love to have with you sometime, which is about journalism. And Michael Moore is not a journalist. He does not adhere to journalistic things. And and one of the things he does is that he does this this ridiculous gotcha interview with this guy, Bill McKibben, who has been a environmental leader for years and years mm -hmm. and years. And he, and he put out a scathing response to it today, talking about how he was he, you know, he he actually wrote to Michael Moore after the interview, asking if he could clarify, and they never called him back and stuff like that. But anyway, there, there's a lot of that stuff that that needs to be looked at too about the about the journalistic 
approach that this thing takes, and it's I think it's highly um, uh, flawed. And one of the questions that I'm leaving you with is that when you watch the movie, ask yourself, doesn't this movie play into the hands of Mitch McConnell and the right, mm-hmm. saying, well, we always knew these things didn't really work, <laughs> so I don't know why we're giving any money to this. Let's, let's stop recycling now. I mean, I can just, just hear it, yeah. you know? By the way, it's not a bad Mitch I'm McConnell. not recycling. I, mean, I don't mean recycling. Let's we'll stop the alternative energy. We don't need it. Let's just pull, let's pull more coal out of the ground. That's what we need, well, more coal. I, uh, I'm going to watch. I'm going to hesitate to make any comments on a, about a movie I haven't seen. Uh, yeah. And um, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm, and I will watch it. And we'll probably convene a uh, symposium on it. I'm gonna, our good friend Mike Novak involved in this one, too. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he has yeah. a lot of things to say. But, but I do remember yeah. this. Uh, Alexander Coburn, who was a um, uh, a far left wing uh, writer, mm-hmm. wrote for the Nation and was beloved yep. by the lefties everywhere. Near the end of his life, yeah. he died of cancer. He turned against the whole concept of global warming, and yeah. uh, he began to write these columns in the Nation that were saying that global warming was essentially a hoax. I mean, it was Trump before Trump, and um, the, the the Nation didn't know what to do with it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because like mm-hmm. yeah. it was like when Christopher Hitchens from the Nation went right, uh, it, mm-hmm. it started favoring mm-hmm. the Iraqi War and yep. championing George Bush, and the Nation didn't know what. Poor lefties didn't know what to do with yep. it. My beloved yep. lefties yep. are always losing their mind, and uh, yeah. so it sounds to me like Michael Moore is drifting into that uh, that arena, and I. Well, people- it's not exactly that. It's that whole thing of so- how sometimes you can go so far left that you meet yes. the crazy righties yeah. and you're kind of and you're kind of like in the same political boat yeah. and that's kind of what seems to be going on here all right well i'm gonna definitely check it out we'll convene uh, a yeah. panel discussion let's get mike novak talking about this as well all right kenny d i gotta ask you man what the hell are you doing uh since all of this are you cor- during your quarantine you doing okay what are you watching well uh, what are you doing to I'm keep yourself the house. painting the house perfect yeah yeah Wow, yep. painting the house and watching. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Be outside and you don't have to wear a mask because there's nobody around, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, painting the outside of the house. Got it. Okay. Outside of the house. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's good. Mm-hmm. Very handy man, yeah. Ken Davis. Uh, and uh, we should have him come in here and fix up this uh, the studio we have. Oh, yeah. It's put in order. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for all your help here. No, uh, I'll come yeah. over and help paint. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. just have to feed him. Yeah. The guy loves yeah. peanut butter sandwiches, <laughs> <Poor> okay? <guy. laughs> Gotta feed him, all right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll give you avocado sandwich. No, I don't like avocado. Nah, 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 nah. Nah. Peanut, peanut butter, butter and jelly. jelly, all right? <laughs> all right, that's uh, Ken Davis. Thank you very much, Ken Davis. And uh, I want to also thank... Well, the- before we wrap up, uh, we got a few things to go oh, over okay. here, Benny J, all right? Uh, first off, uh, well, we you had me get another video a daily, or some more I know, I daily. wish... I, we're going to play that one eventually. That is classic daily uh, railing at Bob Fioretti. This is why I always had. Remember, people go, "How they don't understand how I could have like a, uh, just like a, a good vibe on Fioretti because so many people he's a joke because he keeps running for office." But I remember whenever now and then he would stand up to Daly, and Daly was so mad at him and he's yelling at him. We'll play that some other time. Okay, well we'll play uh, that daily video some other time. Uh, our friend Bruce Bruce, who's always on the Ben Drosky Show live stream chat. Uh, one of these trains that went by, he was on one of them. <laughs> Just today? Yeah, like a few minutes ago during the Kid Davis wow. interview. He, he, uh, that's amazing. How trippy. Yeah. Remember the, the joke is I never could see anybody on the train, but Bruce, Bruce, 
Right on, man. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, and also, uh, we talked about this yesterday. We actually ended yesterday's show with this. Uh, there were talks. Uh, all these things getting canceled left and right. Yeah, I know Puddle of Mud, Toby Keith, and LL Cool J more than likely canceled. But uh, what we, they talked about yesterday is that the Chicago Marathon, yes, when people just run uh, it was going to be uh, postponed. They said, oh, no, they were saying that it was still going to happen. Yeah. Well, thanks to our good friend Frank on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page, he informed us that the Bank of America Chicago Half Marathon has been canceled. Wait, the half marathon or the full marathon? Oh, uh, it says here, uh, well, there's others too. Oh, I didn't know well, there's there. a half marathon, yeah. Uh, okay, well, uh, it can, I would assume that if the half marathon's canceled, the whole one will probably be canceled too, right? But no, he says the Bank of America Half Marathon has been canceled so i'm assuming that's the same one no, I don't, i'm not a big marathon ones. yeah different ones but whatever you know yeah uh but yeah i think there's two separate races there. now for all those uh who are bummed out about that being canceled well i mentioned this yesterday just open up your front door and start running yeah boom <laughs> same thing right and then just give money to some foundation bam same thing right clearly you're not a marathon man people love to be in that pack I can, I can relate. I've never done it. I've thought about you it. You can relate. I've never done it. Oh, wow. No, but I can relate to just the kind of the inclination to be part of the larger community of runners and just on that high. I've done 5Ks, and that's fun. But uh, a marathon, whoa, way too long. And I haven't run in so long, D. You know, that's – but I'll tell you what. When this pandemic is over, Mark Brown and I are going over to Cricket Hill. We're going to go up and down that hill. Oh, yeah, Mark Brown. I haven't forgotten that. We're holding your feet to the fire, Brown. Uh, yeah, 15, Ben. 15. Mark Brown's probably like, this damn podcast. <laughs> Why do they keep talking about my Cricket Hill thing? Uh, and uh, earlier, Ken Davis gave us his Mitch McConnell impression. People on the live stream chat are asking if I have one. I do. And it's... Uh, it, that's my He's Mitch on the ropes, McConnell. by the way. That, he's on the ropes. Mitch McConnell's on the ropes. Amy oh, yeah? McGrath is giving him hell down there in Kentucky. I, every day I get like 10 Mitch McConnell appeals. Oh, we're in trouble. Help! <laughs> so those are our updates there, everybody. Uh, live stream chat. That was We had a great conversation today. Jay Marie, what's up? Uh, yeah, feel free to weigh in on the live stream chat. And Ben. We have more than just Doogie who left a, uh, left us a voicemail. Oh, that's what? right. We're gonna play a voicemail tomorrow. Okay. How about that? That's a tease there, huh? You don't want to miss tomorrow's show. Uh, we got a um, voicemail from Springfield, oh. and apparently it's a guy named Doctor Phil. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> oh, what's so, the same Doctor Phil? We'll oh, see. that'd be awesome. We'll right? see you tomorrow. Ben show. You've ruined your life. <laughs> You've ruined it. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, very good. We're going to close with that uh, imitation of Dr. Phil. And that, of course, is the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would not be possible. And as Ken Davis can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of Petty Cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J. Bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Find us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be like uh, this person who's apparently named Dr. Phil and leave us a voicemail on the Ben Jarofsky Show phone number. That's right, 708-658-4788.
8. Prank us. Do a funny voice. Sing a song. Whatever you want to do. We'll play it. Turns out we're in Ben's attic. We need all the content we can get, all right? 708-658-4788. And tell your friends. Share the link to the show. We'll see you tomorrow. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.